Let's start, start the, show. the show. It's January 26, 2012. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Will Smith joining. Well, we have a full house today. This doesn't happen that often these days, but uh, Gary Wood is on assignment uh, for someone other than him, us uh, in Wit. Philadelphia with another Will Smith. Wit, wit, wit. That don't 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 encourage that kind of. I've, I've, I've I'm told- trying to I'm trying to experience Philadelphia that's, from afar. That's bad tourist behavior. Norman Chan, how you doing? Doing fine. Uh, joining Norman and I are Lloyd Case. Glad to be here. Straight from Germany. Almost. Well, I still feel jet lagged after three weeks. Well, you know, we, I'm still recovering from CS, and it's been three weeks, so uh, we're even. Uh, and and to, to Lloyd's direct left is Bradley Shoemaker. Hello, hey, Brad. I'm doing all right. So we not, have the, not fully caffeinated yet. But we have we have doing well. We have the shoemaker and yes. the shoe breaker. I, I don't in the same room. <laughs> I, I, I consider I think, that to be an ill-gotten title. Are you kidding me? Uh, are you kidding me? Multiple times. Okay, we're not going to let's we, not get into that. Let's let, leave our I've Starcraft retired that handle. Okay. Starcraft stuff aside, um, <laughs> I'm ready for a rematch anytime. The, the battles continue. No, here. you're not. Oh boy, this no. is, this is you don't no, think you're so? not. All right, this is getting ugly. We'll ugly. Norm's talking a, a brasher of mess here. Um, so yeah, Lloyd. Okay, what's going on since you, it's been a while? You, you, this is the first time on this year, I guess. Which yeah, for 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 both of you actually, Lloyd, you were in yes. Germany for a significant mm-hmm. port of. Part I actually flew back on New Year's Day. Cool, and you were to fly back. visiting family and stuff. And my my daughter is doing her semester abroad there. Okay, yeah, in Berlin. So so what what what's what's so Germany? you know what's fascinating about Berlin is that you know so Berlin's a normal large city, right? Uh-huh. I mean, if you think about big cities of three and a half million people, until the week between Christmas and New Year's, when it becomes invaded by twenty somethings from all over Europe. For the for New Year's Eve, so it's I like mean, spring break. It. Yeah, yeah, it's like spring break, right? Right. You got you know, I heard Italian and Slavic languages and French and Portuguese. I mean, every possible language you could think, you know, in the subways there and stuff. Well, so what's the draw in Berlin on New Year's? Is Hasselhoff there or something? I, I guess <laughs> I guess it's just the place to be. I mean, it's sort of the. Uh, I, I think it's the fireworks. Personally, you if you're 16 years or older, you can buy fireworks. Ah. they sell fireworks in every grocery store, drugstore. <laughs> Any place you can walk in and, and pay your money down there, practically, they sell fireworks. Like real fireworks? Like real fireworks. Like wow. stuff that goes, you know, 100 feet into the air and explodes into fly. I mean, not just firecrackers. We're talking like the big. Yeah, none of that snake bullshit right, that right. we have here. Right. Because, like, we have fireworks here, but it's no. the fireworks here are no fun. Right. Because of wildfires and nonsense like that. Well, right. laws. Yeah. Oh, and, and these these people have no fear there. I mean, they'll they'll happily launch rockets at you or at each at other. At you, at you, or you can launch them. At can them. you catch them? <laughs> yeah, typically, you duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes that's sense. the smart move, I would say. Huh. Um, so, anything else? Uh, you, you 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 were telling me that the official food of Germany now is bread. Uh, well, I think it's always been bread. I, it's it's real. What's really cool is there are 700 different kinds of bread in Germany, right? That's a rough estimate. That's a lot of bread. And every corner practically has its own bakery, small bakeries. There are chains like Starbucks. You know, there's one called Bach Factory, for example. But, and they're, they're bread chains, not coffee chains. And yeah. they sell really cool different kinds of breads. And, you, and I never got tired of the bread there. Like knotted oh. loaves and all do sorts of things. Do you eat the bread by itself or do you put cheese in it? And, oh, you put and stuff in it. Like a typical German breakfast looks like lunch. 
You know, so you, it's a giant you have, sandwich. You have a deli spread. No, you have a deli spread that you it's just a lot put of cold stuff cuts on. and cheeses. Right, and, right. Yeah. You put on your fascinating yeah, muesli. Explains Augustus Gloop. I love muesli. Muesli is one of my favorite things. Oh I like, yes, I, when What's I when good? I was traveling, I had muesli, like European style muesli. Not stuff, that like stuff that. will keep you powered for like twelve hours, oh just like concentrated energy, like the yogurt and the yeah. fruit and the granola bits and yep. all that right. stuff, all ground up to get little strips of apple. Yep. The yep. Other, Lovely. The other thing I sort of discovered about Germany is it's like the eurozone that works, and by that I mean Germany is still. I mean the people self-identify as different nationalities. You go to different parts of Germany. Yeah, you know, you go. I went. To, we went to Dresden, and they call themselves Saxons there. And we went to Nuremberg, and we were warned not to call the Bavarians; they were Franconians. And, okay, you know, it was really quite interesting. And, wow. and uh, but but the, they all are one country now, no east, west, or any of that stuff. Interesting. So, um, so uh, Brad, your travels included North Carolina, since we spoke yep. to you last. Indeed. <laughs> I, at one point, I looked over a mountain. I was like, "Hey, Brad's over there. <laughs> I'm over there." I, I was in Tennessee. I waved back. You didn't see me. Yeah, I just assumed. I went on my own culinary voyage. Uh, where'd you go, Brad? Bojangles. Oh, I love Bojangles. Chick Fil A. <laughs> There's a Bojangles in the airport that we flew through. Yes. And I, I don't already, know what that like, is. We, we oh. determined that we get off at the same gate. Isn't yeah. that a really bad in, song? In Charlotte. Well, Mr. Bojangles <laughs> is, a, is a really bad as a qualitative judgment that I'm not going to get into. I'm not going to. You're good. Uh, but but uh, uh, Bojangles is a southern fried chicken and biscuits chain. Uh, and I like the, I think the one in Bristol might be the furthest one north. There might be one in like Richmond or something really? like that. But uh, but it was it was like when I was in high school, that was where all the kids went to have lunch was at Bojangles because it was like three dollars for a chicken biscuit and some French fries. And it was it was like delicious so, fried chicken fast food compared to like, you know quality wise and a fast food chain on the West Coast compared to K- uh, better than KFC yeah, or Popeyes beats, beats the hell out of KFC yeah. Um, and it's spicy fried chicken. It's not. It's mm. not like a. It's a hot. It's like a Louisiana they're, they're, style. Yeah, there's some like Cajun Tabasco or something in it. Yeah. on the menu. Yep. Um, and then they also did uh, potatoes that were like w- potato wedges with seasoned salt yep. on the outside. They're real kind of like, kinda like giant steak fries. Sort yeah. of. I always go for the bow rounds though. And this the, is, little, the little compressed hockey puck of hash browns. Yeah, this explains the general well, form no, factor. This, well, I was going to say this explains why Paula Dean is like she is. Yeah. Kind of, but this <laughs> explains why I'm like I am right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was an indulgent month. Um, so yeah, so in the airport, as I was walking to the gate, I was like, "Oh my god, there's a Bojangles here!" But yep. I already ate breakfast today. I think there's like there are like NASCAR. There's like a NASCAR treatment on the signage yeah. there. Yeah, it's it like was, NASCAR or Bojangles crammed into the it, same little space. It's like the America Room here, yep, pretty much, with, a, yeah. with a fast food restaurant yep. jammed into it. Yep. So. Um, let's see, Norm, you feeling recovered from CES yep, yet? Absolutely, back to normal, yeah. full speed. Uh, we started Legoing the other day. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Lloyd, but we're doing uh, we're doing an endurance test. Okay. Norm and I have uh, acquired two three thousand plus piece Lego kits: a Superstar Destroyer for Mr. Chan and a Death Star for myself. The playset, not the Death Star Two, and we're going to race <laughs> okay. to see who can assemble them fastest. All right. Uh, they will be airing uh, on the website starting next week. Yeah. Oh, you're doing this live? We're not doing it live. Oh, okay. We're recording no. it uh, half a week in advance. Oh, wait, so it's going to be like time-lapse photography. No, it no, won't no. be time-lapse. It will, it will be in real time. 30-minute uh, episodes, five days a week. Um, so wait, have any pieces been laid? Because I saw some pictures Pieces of you. have not it's been Sitting connected. at a table in we, there. We're still in the sorting phase. We oh. spent a full day sorting almost. Right. Uh, 3,000 pieces, it turns out, takes a while to pile. It's, it looks like a little Lego lumber yard in the room that we're using yeah. for this. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll show you after the show. There's been pictures on Twitter and stuff. So why do Legos still exist and Erector sets died off? I, you know, I wondered that. Cause the, but 
like when I was a kid, there were so many more than even just Erector sets and Legos because it was like the robotics and then the the Sphere guys. There were like 15 or 16 different kind of, hey, let's turn our kids into engineers right. based mm-hmm. toys. Mechano, all that stuff. Lego was never to turn a kid into an engineer. Lego was for imagination. There was no... There are no physics well, in Lego. 90-degree imagination, though. There's only so much you can do. <laughs> I, I don't know. If you make it big enough, you can do anything with Lego, uh, okay. I think. It was the Minecraft of its day. Yeah, it, it is. It, it still is. And the, But like the or, the orbotics and the robotics and all that stuff that had little – like you could build – I don't want to say – you could build circuits basically and the circuits controlled right. motors and switches and do remotes and all that. It was really fun stuff and all that stuff disappeared and even – I don't even think Lego does the Mindstorm stuff anymore, do they? Or is it super limited? I don't know if they do. Yeah. I don't. I haven't seen them. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're doing that. Uh, the first one's going to go up on the first. I think is the current plan, which is what next Wednesday, maybe. No, next, we'll do. We'll do it next Monday. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have one. Uh, on, we'll have one on, next Monday. Okay. Next week. Yeah. Um, and and that's going on right now. I'm I'm terrified. Like <laughs> doing doing a day full of sorting and then not getting to build anything. Yeah, losing momentum is, is the worst. Is the biggest tease of all time because like you, you're sitting there and you're sorting out all these pieces. You're like, oh man, I totally want to get started and build something. You go home, you have dreams about Lego, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, oh well, we're not shooting that again until Friday. So, um, so tomorrow Lego day. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you, know, so, you mentioned Minecraft and Lego, and there was uh, the story that broke this week. Lego is considering doing a Minecraft. Right, right. Yeah, set. I saw that. That's what um, brought that to mind, actually. And the whole uh, the whole process is really interesting of how these custom sets can be proposed and made. There's a, a site. I forget the name of it. Um, it's like a Lego spo- official site, though, right? Yes, it's, it's it's a community site, and people can um, bring forth projects, submit them, and community members can vote on them. And once they pass a thousand likes or you know people who signed a petition 10,000 I think it is uh, then it goes to Lego board they take two weeks to review the viability of so of the set when do you think Lego is going to license stuff for 3d printers not I, gonna happen you don't think so I don't think so it's but, you know, it's like you can buy print and play games so when I print it's, and play Lego yeah, it's an ebook basically yeah. I, I don't I, don't I can know. see that I happening so. I mean like they they want to control the uh, not only like the quality of the materials, but also the themes, and like the, like the uh, the brick arms guy, right? He makes well, no, no, that's what I mean. I mean, Lego will sell will sell it, just like right. You know, and and but you'll instead of buying a big box full of plastic stuff, you just download the stuff and print it on your printer. Well, right now the printers are too slow. Like, would, I, I, would, yeah, I know, I, yeah. but don't you see it coming? I, I think that I just a, I have to admit the reason I bring this up is I read Rule Thirty Four. Have you read Rule Thirty Four? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and you know the whole pirate. 3D printer stuff was really mm-hmm. pretty cool part of that book. Read uh, that and Makers, both similar similar things. Because Makers is about guys who make – I mean basically Makers is a Cory Doctorow book that's about uh, 3D printing. Right. And the difference between a legit 3D printer, a legit 3D printer that's been hacked to print whatever you want. And a totally pirate off the off the <laughs> right. grid 3D printer. I mean, when we all have like you know replicator Mark Fives in our houses, right. and their the print quality is is fine enough to do something like that, plus yeah. it's easy enough to download, just download and, and print something. Then yeah, then they'll have right. to. So so speaking of 3D printers, there have been a couple of really like there's been one major advancement in 3D printing uh, on the on the low end, like people stuff people can afford for home or for for messing around with basically. Uh, and that's the last Friday, I think, a guy with a Thingamatic, a MakerBot Thingamatic that has two print heads. Uh, typical Thingamatic only has one print head, so you can use one type of plastic. And if you want to change colors or something like that, you have to actually change the filament, which is a little bit of a pain. Uh, printed a uh, device with two different types of plastic. One was 
uh, PLA, one was PVA, I think. I can't remember. Um, but basically one water-soluble plastic, one not water-soluble plastic. So what he did was he used the non-water-soluble plastic as a support layer and and as a separation layer between the wheels of these, these gears – uh, so so he printed out – it looked like one solid block and then he soaked it in hot water for a few hours. The water-soluble plastic goes away and he's left with a moving mechanical piece that was printed as one item uh-huh. rather than as four separate items that were then snapped together, glued together, whatever like that. Okay. Which suddenly makes 3D printing a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. What was it though? Uh, it's just a, like a kind of bespoke clockwork just a, thing. Yeah. Just, just he made the, the, the maker okay. logo and okay. he did a uh, weird cube. It's, I think it's actually something that somebody had printed as multiple pieces with the original cupcake, one of the first times that they printed working gears. And uh, and then he, he did this all as one. The interesting thing, though, is that it's like literally you can build things that would be impossible to manufacture because you print it one layer at a time and you can make a sealed box basically that has all these moving parts inside it that, that then the, the – you know the 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 supporting layers just wash away. Okay. Uh, really cool. We have video on the site. Uh, they it was uh, I can't, it was a user actually. It wasn't even one of the MakerBot guys. Um, so he has a Flickr page and a Flickr video. Yeah, uh, and and that's the kind of thing that is coming soon with the replicator, which is their first thing that has two two print heads on it, which is which is pretty exciting. If when they can get it working and and when the software is there and all that stuff. Um, on the other super nerdy news front, uh, that's going to change the world in in ten to twenty years. Uh, the MIT uh, MIT uh, introduced a new, faster way to the do MIT the MIT M- M- uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology introduced faster, fast Fourier transforms. So um, I, I'm not a math guy. I'm looking at Lloyd, hoping Lloyd's more of a math no, guy than no. I am. We could ask my daughter, but she's not here. Uh, she's in Berlin. Right. Uh, Probably a reason we're all writers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically, my understanding of the fast forward transform is it's one of the things that makes image and audio compression possible uh, by by basically taking a lot of doing some crazy math stuff, and it and it it has to do with the compression. The fast Fourier transform algorithm was developed in the '60s and is the basis for like JPEG compression and a whole bunch of other stuff, and hasn't nothing's really happened to it in the last 40 years, 50 years. Uh, and then they found a new way to make this faster. So short term, nothing's going to change in the way anything happens. But it could lead the way to a uh, new, even more compressed no. video. I mean, when you say fast, it, more efficient, it's algorithmically more efficient, right? Not, It's not just a bunch of code that they, they rewrote. No, it's algorithmic. It's, algorithmic. it's a better algorithm. Yeah, that's, what we need. that's the key point, I think, to that. Is, is, and then they'll... The, the the programmers and the you know the all the guys that write the video compression codex will then take this and implement it in code and, and then we'll see faster. So so this could impl- like give a MPEG two MPEG two to H two sixty four level increase in video compression and quality, right? right. Well, I also think it'll, it'll, since it's more efficient, that means it'll do the same stuff faster in low power devices like your phone. I mean, that's, that's I think where the real payoff is going to be. Right, right. I'm curious. So I'd- I realize that since this was developed in academia, this question's probably moot. But has anybody ever tried to patent an algorithm? Like, you know, we, we've we've all seen how unpleasant software patents can be in yeah. the last few years. Like, has anybody like ever drilled that far down and tried to like take ownership of, of something like that? I don't it's know. Such a fundamentally basic idea. I don't know that you can. I don't know what the rules are in patenting math. Um, I assume that since software is essentially algorithms in some cases, then yeah. somebody somebody will try. Not that they should. Yeah. I'm not in any way suggesting that Brad they should. Brad Shoemaker supports algorithm patents. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, 
I mean, Lloyd, have you ever heard anything about that? I've no, never, I haven't followed that, though, to tell you the truth. Patents are really boring is kind of the, my feeling. Um, so, yeah, the, the Fast Fourier Transform, Faster Fast Fourier Transforms is is a big deal. We had a story on the site. It was one of those things that I popped up on Slashdot, and you kind of look at it, and you're like, oh, oh, this is, this is the kind of thing that changes the world, but, you know, a little tiny bit at a time. Quietly. Yeah, real, real quietly and in the background. Um, on other things that you've probably already heard about a lot by now, uh, Apple announced the third biggest quarter for any company ever. Third was profitable. Mm-hmm. Most profitable, right. yes. And, and, and I think it's the only one in the top ten that isn't by an oil company. Is oil that, gas is that right? right. Yeah. Most of them are revenues. Level. Revenues, they're still you know, not up there. I mean, yeah. if you think about the kind of revenues that an oil company generates. Or Walmart. Yeah, right. 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 But profits, yeah. Third oh, place. yeah. The margins. And, and they, they say they'll never expect margins this high again. Um, well, this is because they delayed the 4S launch until uh, because June, of a co- combination of multiple December. factors, uh, multiple carriers in the U.S. and they emerging had a, markets. They had right? a extra 14th week to this uh, quarter, uh, which happened in a really good time uh, during the holiday Christmas season, time, um, and which didn't happen last year. And also, they you know, pent up demand for the 4S, so which hurt their previous quarter. They said, um, and I think uh, everything, all, everything. All their product lines sold better than they expected, um, and the iPod has been falling, but it, that's in line with their expectations. Uh, you know, I did see an interesting thing that Matt Braga was talking about the other day on Twitter uh, with regard to the iPod Classic, which which people have been speculating is going to go away for a long time. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing that's happening is with hard drive prices going up because of the Thailand flooding, at least temporarily, uh, and flash prices continuing to decrease, conceivably we could see a flash-based iPod Classic. That'd be really expensive. Would it though? Even you're talking about eight, the one dollar per gig, like an eighty gig one. Who wants? I mean, if, if you have a sixty-four gig iPod Touch, then why would you want an well, eighty but gig I, iPod? I don't classic? have an iPod Touch because I have an iPhone. The, what what changes it between iPod Touch and Classic then at that point? Why not? Why isn't it just an eighty gig iPod Touch? Maybe some people like the wheel. I like the wheel. <laughs> no, I think they're facing Speaking up the of wheel. iPods. I had an annoying little experience with my Nano today, and I, just, I figured out what the problem was. I, I sort of tweeted this as this. Every, all the content in my Nano has disappeared. I mean, it's like was gone. Did all you plug it. it into a new computer? No, I had already done that. I already did set up the new computer thing and everything. No, what had happened was all my i all my iTunes stuff is on my Windows Home server, which went down last week oh. when the iPod Nano was connected. Right, so it happily synced with nothing, which meant it erased <laughs> everything. That, that interpreted itself to erase everything on itself. Yeah. That's, that's it. You know, it's funny. Most of the problems I was talking to, um, I was talking to somebody last week about iTunes, just in general, because most of the problems that I have with my phone are related to iTunes. And since I stopped using iTunes at all to do anything with my phone, I've been much happier with the iPhone than I have been in a long time. And and I mean, iTunes is is really bad. Just it's, it's one of the only reasons I like iTunes Match, and iTunes Match isn't great. But when I set up a new iOS device, I can just sign in my account and then download songs without having this. Well, sync to a library, maybe. specific library. Yeah, not you, then, all of my songs. Until you have the power problem. I don't have explicit songs. You power really problem? don't listen to explicit music at all? Nothing's tagged explicit? <laughs> no. See, Just uh, the podcast. iTunes Match replaced all of my explicit music with clean versions. Or, or not all of it maybe, but it's a fairly significant amount. Really? Which, which <laughs> I mean, is probably an honest technical mistake. Because if you think about the way it fingerprints songs and all that stuff, that, that kind of makes sense. But damn. <laughs> That almost sounds like the Siri abortion clinic thing. Just like they, they like intentionally erred on the side of caution and then like, I ah, will fix it later. Apple, maybe. the new nanny state. Yeah, well. Uh, Lloyd, why do you yeah. have your iTunes music on your Windows Home server? Why not 
on I can get it drive. to it from any system yeah, I have, in the is house. That, is that your, but why do you have only there? Wouldn't you want it as there then, as a backup? Well, and then also I, on, on a local. Then I have to. Then I have to point iTunes to wherever it is. Yeah, uh, you just see, it doesn't point to multiple sources. It just points to one source. I, I use I use a local store, a uh, local drive, like a dedicated one terabyte drive for music and, and right. media and stuff, and, and then, then back, that, back up. that up to Windows Home Server. Yeah. Oh, see, I put it all on the home server and back up the home server. Right. Is yeah. there a good way to uh, three different solutions for the same dumb problem? Well, let's yeah. come up with another one. Is there a way to so say you want to back up your iTunes library? Okay, and then you want to incrementally like kind of diff the backup with the the kind of the, the original library over time. Like instead of having to. You, you know, can use if you're adding music to it, and you, you can want any, to, almost any backup tool yeah. will do that kind of stuff. Time yeah. Machine or Windows Backup or anything like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, or, is that going to be in a form that you can access though? Or I mean, because Time some, Machine you I can't. Just, toy. You can't just browse like. Well, you can, but you have to go. Oh, it's, it's a huge it's pain. A, it's a pain. The way well, like it works. I keep my whole iTunes library on my MacBook, but so, then I would like to also you know copy it to my Windows machine so my like my mm-hmm. Xbox can access. So it. the way Windows Home Server works, you look at the backups that are available, and you can you can open any one of them and then pull the files that you want off of that. But you can't really restore. Well, you state. can, but you have to it's, restore it's the terrible. whole thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. There's no partial restores. Um, Plus, once you restore and you setting up the backup again is a pain. Yeah. It's it's funny because the backup solutions that are out there seem like Time Machine is really good if you need to catch one or two files that you lost, or if you need to restore a whole machine. But anything in between is pretty rough in my yeah. experience. I, I use Acronis. Acronis is good. The image one or the other one? Both. I mean, it's it's all the same now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can either restore the image, or you can go into the image and pull out an individual file. Oh, that's not. Yeah, yeah, and pretty, does it just mount as a hard drive, or does it show? Or do you have to use some sort of? You have to use client? their utility. Okay, uh, but it's it's pretty simple. It also boot off of a thumb drive or a CD or whatever. I'm in a real pickle because I'm almost out of space on my backup drives, and uh, and I don't want to go out and pay a ridiculous amount of money for a two terabyte drive. <laughs> um, Good luck. But I think I'm. I think I don't have a choice. Did you know that external drives are cheaper per gigabyte than internal drives right now? You can buy external drives for pretty good price. That you can't pay, you can't even come close to on internal drive. Well, and then you can just open the. If you need an internal drive, just rip open the cage. Yeah. And bear in mind that an internal drive, even if it's a seventy hundred RPM drive, won't be as fast. I mean, external drive. Right. If you rip it out of an external drive closure, it won't be quite as fast as an internal drive of the same. Well, usually they use a different a different model with the firmware. Well, the, or like that, the, right? or the firmware is different, and they're optimized for you know low power or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, over USB. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, uh, the latest. This is something we kind of touched on a little bit last week, and we hadn't we didn't know a whole lot about, so we so we moved on. But um, there was a lot of complaint about the Xbox Metro Dash update. Uh, a making uh, removing 1080p support from everything, but the Zoom mark Zoom Zoom video, uh, and also kind of muddying and decreasing image quality on other videos. So YouTube. Uh, 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 Netflix and Hulu, I guess, were the were the primary culprits. Uh, and it seems like Major Nelson tweeted and said, "Hey, we realize this is a problem. We're going to fix it," but didn't address the 1080p thing. I didn't know that Netflix had 1080p video at this point. Is that is that I, it has 1080p video it? over this connection that I've got, which is not an Xbox? So, what are you using for your for your viewer? Just a Panasonic Blu-ray player. Really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. It's got Netflix embedded in it. Yeah. Um, so and I usually use the Apple TV, so it's seven. It's obviously only seven twenty p. Good to know. The muddy video I didn't notice, but I also don't use. I, I stopped using Netflix on the Xbox because that app is so so bad. Now so it's so bad. bad. Yeah, and, and apparently that's the direction that they're going for all the video apps going yeah, forward. That's a real like, shame. With the weird rows of icons. Have you used it at all, Lloyd? 
No, I've really, I've really warmed up to the one on the PS3 in the last couple. You know, of months. I have to say that I really? have not turned it's on my better X- than the Xbox one now. I haven't turned on my Xbox in about three months. Yeah, the last time I turned it on was to install that update because I've been playing yeah. all the games that I would probably normally play on an Xbox on the PC that's hooked up in my living room. Right. Big TV PC is wave of the future. I, I was listening to Bombcast. It will be. It will be as soon as that <laughs> Steam interface comes out. Right. Uh, yeah, the Steam interface would be nice. It gets That's a little cr- tired. More than nice. Like, it's walking crucial. in there. Yeah, like I'd still, I mean, I've, I've been using a, a crappy Windows phone uh, little client server thing that turns your phone into a, like a trackpad. Yeah. Like that's how I control Windows from the couch. So you, so it's instead super of super laggy. There's like, there's like a good probably half a second of lag between moving my phone. Why don't you just use a, like a wireless mouse um, keyboard? I, I, I could. Trackpad. I'd, have, I'd have to go get some, but... It's not I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, on. That's the thing. I'm not yeah. going to need it as soon as the Steam interface. Why? why what's what uh, about the Steam interface makes it easier? Because so. then you can launch games with the controller. Yeah. Like so the point is that is the thing. It's controller boot, friendly. You boot, boot Windows directly into that, and then you. But the thing, the thing I wonder is if you look at like the games that I've been playing mostly lately, all have kind of a Windows app front end. I don't want to boot before Windows you get in into that. the aim. I do. I don't, yeah, I'm, I, that's not my my dedicated PC is going to be. The one that's running on my big TV. I'm not having a separate PC on that, so I don't want to boot into, into that. Yeah, you what happens if you're playing an Origin game or something? You don't have to do that. Yeah, or or playing a game like Saints Row or or Skyrim that has the yeah, thing that the pops up launcher. beforehand. It's it's still going to be really inconsistent. And yeah. I, I hope that I hope the Valve tries to standardize to some extent. Like you know, even just put little icons like you know, big picture friendly game uh, yeah. on on. Well, with on Windows 8, you'll be able to tile all those icons anyway. So that'll. Oh right, okay, them. yeah, I forgot about that. I can't <laughs> wait. You probably use that. Connect to t- activate also. Xbox. Oh, Xbox. Yes. Xbox. Wait, PC. Windows. Yeah. I, uh, um, we haven't talked about the Windows Windows Connect SDK, but that's coming out, I think, next week or the week after. It's early February. Um, you mean the actual hardware? The actual hardware. Because the SDK has been out for a while. They, right. Yeah. Sorry. The, the the whole kit right. that gives you the token that lets you publish stuff, the the hardware and the SDK. Is the hardware different from the Xbox mm, One? seems like no. no. Okay. It may be that they don't have the weird... Like the, the, I haven't seen any final hardware yet. I, my hunch is that the final hardware will have the USB plus the power brick rather yeah. than that weird. Because I couldn't Xbox make any slim yeah, specific. I, I couldn't make any sense out of the the press release because it made it sound like the hardware is different. And I thought, the why would they do that? Most that doesn't make any different. sense. Yeah. It's a license that you get. Right. Okay. Right. I think I think it's basically you know how they have the XDA dev right, token right. Mm-hmm. that's yeah, ninety nine dollars. Yeah. I think you basically get that when you buy the SDK kit with okay. the hardware and the okay. and the thing. So we'll see all kinds of weird. Weird, weird, weird connect apps. Well, those are already out there. I mean, I spent I, I spent a, two days at different points last year trying to get those running uh, to just to see what they looked like and see if we could do demos and stuff with them. Because some of that stuff was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like with a universal SDK from Microsoft, it'll be more likely. Because the challenge was that there were four or five different SDKs at least that people had kind of hacked together that each supported the things that they needed their right, weird right. home app yep. to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... And, and because most of those involved a lot of terminal commands and on the Mac side or just r- installing boatloads of software <laughs> you were never going to be able to get off right. uh, and that would conflict with the other. Basically, you ended up with a situation where you had to install the SDK on the machine that you wanted and then never try to remove that or put anything else on because it just didn't work right. right. So universal SDK is a good thing. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bummed that it's only for Windows, but I, I mean, I understand that Microsoft has imperatives on that in that direction. Um. Uh, uh, Microsoft, Microsoft. How much? How much does it cost to get a massive handset manufacturer to abandon their own OS 
and hitch on hitch their hitch their hardware train to your wagon. A number followed by a bunch of zeros. Lots and lots of zeros. <laughs> well, it depends on the handset maker also. So Nokia, how desperate the theoretically maker is. Let's talk about Nokia. Okay. How much do you think Microsoft paid Nokia? Well, I know how much. So okay, so guess. well, their their platform was already kind of dead in the water, right? Well, it, uh, we know that and dead in the water in, in the U.S. markets, yeah. but yeah. not so. I mean, people still love Symbian. And- there are people on the forums who are absolutely convinced that Symbian is a viable contender in was. a post iPhone world. Was yeah, a viable contender. Um, Two hundred fifty million dollars. Wow. Yeah, so that's the initial payment Microsoft made to Nokia. Of course, Nokia is going to be paying back to Microsoft for OSs on the handsets that they sell. Um, They've sold a million of them. Million eight hundreds, Lumia eight hundreds, or is it just Lumias in Lumias. general? What, uh, what here, market is that out? Is that just a European phone? Or uh, well, where, where is Lumia eight hundred and seven ten is available in Europe. Uh, okay. Seven ten is available in the U.S. on oh, T-Mobile. Okay. Seven ten is available in Asia as well. And the nine hundred, it will be available in the U.S. So, and Europe. Do people care about phone specs? I don't. I don't think they should. I'm not disagreeing with that statement. I said, do people care about phone specs? Yes. I think Android customers probably care about phone specs. Okay. Why shouldn't they? Which which specs? Because it the doesn't hardware matter. specs. I know. We say like hardware specs. Dual core. What GPUs in it? Yes. That kind I think of yes. Stuff. I think not what GPU, but I think how many cores. I think uh, size of the screen. Uh, I don't think resolution of the screen. I th- and I think megapixels on the camera. I think that the same people those are the three pro- the three biggest specs that went to Best Buy and looked at the numbers on the the card and just got the machine with the biggest numbers. I think that's what's happening a lot with yeah. phones. I, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if you look at the, the reason it doesn't matter is because the the performance of the machine is so inherently tied to the software that's running on it. Right. Um, and Android's a little. Android does a lot more. It's a little bit heavier. They put lower priority on the on the UI thread, um, it, and it seems to benefit from more hardware. Whereas Windows Phone is running essentially, you know, last January's processors it feels real. Sna- I mean, you use a Windows Phone, yeah. you know, yeah. those processors are all the same capability wise. Uh, Nokia is running theirs at like one point four gigahertz instead of uh, one gigahertz on on some of the first gen uh, Windows phones. But I mean, it feels as every bit as fast as an iPhone 4S with two cores and okay. a much more capable processor. Right. Speaking of which, what do you think of the sort of news that came out about uh, iOS have taking lead market share on phones? I, I'm not particularly surprised. I mean, I think that uh, now that they're on multiple carriers, I think that was best selling phone yeah. on Verizon. And I think, I think the, I mean, I, I, I've, we've been talking about this for a long time. I mm-hmm. really think that. This next year is is a real telling for Android because they built a massive market share when there was no real competition on three of the four U.S. carriers. I sort of I sort of liken that to the era of DOS PCs. I don't remember that. There's a period of time yeah. when there are MS DOS PCs, but not PC DOS PCs, yeah. and not every PC that ran MS DOS was compatible with the other PCs that ran MS DOS. I think this is a very similar situation with Android right now. Yeah, I, I, and I mean I think. From what I've seen of Ice Cream Sandwich, I haven't spent that much time with it yet, but it seems like like Matthias Duarte and, and the people they stole from Palm uh, to bring over to, to work on Android, like, grasp the problems with Android, which I didn't really – like, looking at Gingerbread and Honeycomb, I really didn't feel like they had any idea mm-hmm. or at least weren't making steps to fix the problems that Android has. Um, I mean, if they can make that a cohesive, good-performing OS, then then it'll continue it'll, – it'll, it'll continue to pace – uh, iOS. The interesting thing that seems to have happened is is Android sales haven't slowed down. It's just iOS sales well, have sped up. Yeah, there's also less transparency on on both sides, but also mostly on the Android side about what they mean by sales and well, activations. And AT and T this morning said what six point seven million iPhone activations in Q four. 
Something like that. Yeah. Seven point six. By the way, so maybe, it was one of the other. <laughs> I'm starting to get numbers. text messages from AT and T every time they put up a new tower in our area. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I've been getting those for a while. Reception's better. Well, I don't. I, I wish I wish they were putting up new towers in my area. <laughs> hoping really that you're like, driving to that intersection, right? right, and like checking your signal. Oh man, I get a lot of those because my address is in San Francisco. So, what do you mean? I mean, I, I assume that they're sending me a lot of those because there are more towers being improved. Well, in, that, in, in the city, I guess that makes sense on a, a more frequent basis. Do you yeah. see the towers? Oh. What? I okay, there not. are two towers. I, I, I see that they're, 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 there's one on. Um, I hope that they're camouflaged. On 101, okay. when, when you turn on 101 to get to the bridge, 101 to 80. Um, you mean the one on the right tower the on, on the white right? That's yeah. right in between the uh, the split off between 280 and 101. That's there. It's you can clearly tell it's a big tower. Yeah. And there's one of you going on 280 south toward Daly City. Are you talking about Sutro? No, or, no. I'm taking. We go to the south. Is it is like okay. trees, trees, trees. Massive tower, maybe four times as high as the tallest tree. Jeez, but right there, those are like dedicated cell towers. Yep, there are towers everywhere, though. I know, I know yeah. they're everywhere, but I'm saying that like, you can you can notice them. You've got to keep an eye out for them. That's that's the big change. I did some driving over the holidays, and that's the big change I noticed driving um, on, on 81 North toward uh, DC. The the big change I notice is that there are cell towers. Literally, you can't you can't you can always see a cell tower when you're driving on the interstate there, and that wasn't the case mm-hmm. ten years ago. Yeah, it's a fact of life. Yeah. So I, I have to ask about Windows Phone. Yeah, it's starting to seem like the little mobile platform that could. Well, like, does it have a I, shot? I'm gonna put it. Uh, is, there, uh, is there any chance that that in thing? Tim is, Cook's words. Like what? What? What's the market share for that right now? Tim Cook's words says uh, there's always a horse in Microsoft that puts on a suit and runs. In the race, <laughs> okay. So, wow. Windows horses, <laughs> they're gonna, they're always in the race. Ouch. They'll put on the suit and run. Well, what is? They're like what under two percent or something? Depends on whether you look at U.S. or global. Mm. Um, they're also selling into the low end phones, like the Lumia Seven Ten, which we shot a quick look of yesterday. That should be up tomorrow. Uh, is on T-Mobile. They're selling it at fifty dollars from the internet or ninety nine dollars if you go buy it at the store. Uh, and and I think that they're making a pretty big mistake by pricing that that that. Maybe not that particular phone because it's only an eight gig phone, but if they if they come in and price Windows Phone at a budget as a budget alternative to iOS, then they're really really making a mistake. I think. Well, it's kind of selling the platform short, right? I mean, it it really is. I mean, they're going to spend a lot of money on it. The app situation is going to get much better when the Windows Eight mar- so. uh, marketplace hits, and you know, compiling cross compiling apps for Windows Eight and okay, Windows yeah, Seven so, and all that. So the ARM support in Windows Eight is going to. Well, benefit the phone? No, no, no. It's just or, that most of them are XAML or HTML5 okay. JavaScript Well, that's apps. what I mean. The apps will... And then those are just work across platforms. What, what we've been told. I mean, whether that actually is true or not remains to be seen. But Have uh, you guys seen the 900? Yeah. I have seen the 900. Is that a CES or whatever? Yeah. Like, Give it, it to me straight. It looks like a big 800. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> is that a good thing? So, yes. Uh, it yeah. needs to be bigger, uh, not only... The screen size, screen's bigger, but same resolution. Uh-huh. But it didn't look like the text was any less readable okay. uh, with lower pixel density. Uh, but it needed to be bigger for bigger battery because it's LTE. Mm. And so it's going to be one of the first AT&T LTE real 4G phones. And you've seen all those big signs in, in Subway and, and in, in the Muni and uh, on billboards. You know, Finally, AT&T has yeah. real 4G in San Francisco. Right. So uh, hopefully that's going to roll it's, out next Are, are there any real-world reports of how good that actually is in this area? Like the coverage, the, the, the throughput, like does it work? Um, I want to. I Has want, anybody tried it? I'm trying to think if we've seen an LTE. I don't think we've used an AT and T LTE phone. Okay, yet. I just yeah. I'm, I'm asking all this stuff because like I've been using this Focus for like a year. Mm-hmm. You're on the you're on the cusp, right? So I'd, I'm ready for a new phone. Yeah. So now this thing's coming out in March, and I'm facing the question: Do Not I? Not confirmed. Do I actually, like the you rumors, guys, like, the rumors that it's uh, coming well, out in March, comes out. March 18th. 
It'll probably be out before there's another iPhone, right? Yes, that's okay. likely also, and also the rumors at hundred bucks for nine hundred. Wow, uncontracted. So, so that's the thing. I mean, like, I borrowed this phone from you guys, but yeah. I'm looking at this thing, thinking, all right, do I want to actually put down some cash and buy into? Are you going to invest? Right, because then I'm then I'm on that for the next two years. I mean, so here's the thing about: Have you used Windows Phone at all, Lloyd? Yes. What What are your thoughts? Before we go on, well, I've only used my wife's terrible phone, so I don't know. Which one? She has the Samsung Focus. She has the one with the 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 actual oh. chiclet keyboard. Oh yeah, that is a that is a bad phone. Um, I so and it has, doesn't have Mango yet. I mean, we still yeah yeah it's still running on seven one. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, I I think that um. I think that Microsoft is going to spend a lot of money making sure that Windows Phone is something that they can tell shareholders has been a success. And whether that means that they get 5% of the market share at the end of the year. Um, I mean, well, that's, that's not the way they look at it. The way they, they put up a chart and say, this is how much our market share has grown. Right. And it's expensive to the right. It doesn't matter that the end number is fairly small. It's just it's a lot it's bigger than it matters that the starting well, number. It's the same, the same way they do graphs for video cards. I right. mean, you, you, you know that. The red line is always – if you're at an HEI meeting, the red line is always taller than the, the, the green line. And if you're at an NVIDIA meeting, right. the green line is always taller than the red yes, line. Yes, that's right. And the x-axis never starts at zero. No, never. No, no, no. It's, it's 4.1 it's also always 4.2. At, at insanely high resolutions – all the graphics turned on where it's like from five to seven frames per second. That's like a 40% jump. I have to say at CES, I took a meeting with AMD and they showed me a, a, a bar that started at zero and was showing frame rates, not, not times faster. Okay. So that was very, I, I like, I was so surprised. I actually said, wow, I'm really surprised this is showing frame rates and you're starting at zero with right. the bars. And NVIDIA is, so. <laughs> NVIDIA is starting to, of course, start talking trash about stuff now. Wait, what? 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 This is why you read the chat. Wow. What? This wow. just happened. Explain. Paint a word uh, picture, Jen. Store.steampower.com forward slash mobile. Steam is now on your mobile device. Wait, it's out now? Available on the I iPhone. I assume that's just for managing your Steam I assume. Apps, I assume right. so as well. And, and chat. Yeah. I wish wow. I could install Steam. I wish I could. If this is a way to install games. <laughs> so I'm going to read the description. At my house from here. Without having to remote desktop about, and all that. How about launching games from your, your PC with that app? That's crazy. Oh, wait. That hold would, on. That would, but wait. that would fix. Yeah. So what they're advertising right now, and this is the first I've seen in this, any of us seen this, uh, connect your friends, so obviously your buddy list. You get your chat, Steam chat. Okay. Um, and you get to shop. Hmm. Limited functionality right now. But if you want to get a pre-order or something like that or, or, or whatever, I mean, I suppose... Making it making things available to buy is probably a smart move for Valve. Are, on this why are you front. not downloading this right now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I'm talking on the podcast. You're the one who I'm, messes I'm, around with your phone. I'm and downloading laptop right now. The podcast. Absolutely, it shows. It's, it's your role, Chan. You would not have known about this. Um, yeah. So, so Windows Phone Seven. I mean, Microsoft can't afford to fail right. on Windows Phone Seven. All that's, right. That's the long and short of it. It's so, not going to go away. Okay. They're not going to sell it to Lenovo or something in two years. Um, I, I think what's going to be interesting to see with the, on the tablet side especially is it seems like a lot of the people we talked to at CES were pretty down on um, on Android tablets. Everybody was showing Honeycomb. Nobody was showing uh, Ice Cream Sandwich because they didn't get it in time from Google to have it ready for the show, which obviously is kind of a bummer for people who had spent millions and millions of dollars putting booths out. Um, the hardware is looking really, really good. On the arm, the Android tablets running arm, like that Toshiba uh, Extend, I, it had like a dictionary name. Excite X10. <laughs> I, I anyway, yeah, it seemed like something they advertised late at night. Um, it, it was really fantastic looking hardware, really nice, super capable inside, very thin, very very 
hand-friendly 10.1-inch tablet size. And they're probably going to launch it with Honeycomb and then update it to Ice Cream Sandwich a week after it comes out. And, I mean, there's no reason that any of those machines can't also run Windows 8 ARM. Uh, So I think we're going to see a real day of reckoning when Windows 8 ARM ships and and tablets start shipping – companies start shipping same hardware with Windows 8 and Android on on very similar hardware. So do you believe – End of the year. End of the year. Do you believe the rumors about the iPad 3? Hardware, uh, the screen screen resolution right. stuff. Norm yes. does absolutely. So based on that, why is everybody at CES introducing last year's tablets? Well, that's what they did last year too. <laughs> well, yeah, Zoom. I mean, yeah, Zoom right. was big. The big Android tablet. I mean, last that, year. Is, 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 that's so. But Apple's okay, when gonna... you when you say last year's tablets, uh, Samsung has that display. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twenty five six or two thousand forty eight forty eight by fifteen thirty six. Yeah, they ha- they make the panel. Uh, I think LG has a panel with similar mm-hmm. uh, pixel density. Um, but they don't. Their their tablets have been what twelve eighty by eight hundred, right? And that's pretty high when you, pixel density when you're talking about on a seven point seven inch panel or a seven inch panel. Um, it it would be cost prohibitive for them to go to build a, a bigger. But I mean the ten, that in, the ten yeah. inch panels are still twelve by eight, right? But they haven't had a new ten ten inch tablet since you know last summer with Who, the, uh, Samsung. Samsung. Ten point one was yeah the, yeah the Galaxy. But I'm not just talking about Samsung. Everybody's that's introducing a ten inch tablet is the same. It's the same thing. But they want to keep that and cost sixteen low. by nine still too. Right. Yeah, which I think is weird as well. Why do you think sixteen by nine is weird? Uh, it depends. I use my tablet for reading. Four mm-hmm. by three is great for reading. Okay. Sixteen I, by I, nine yeah, is better for I, watching I use video. it for portrait, not landscape. Yeah. Android tablets mostly use landscape. iOS tablets. Yeah, I mean, they, on a it, portrait. If you want something to play video in the car for your kids to watch SpongeBob or whatever when you're when you're driving on vacation, then an Android tablet, go for it. Except for the video playbacks, real hinky on two or three of the chipsets. I feel like right. such an outcast every time I hear you guys say that. What do you mean about about using your uh, your tablets in, in portrait all the time? Like, uh, granted, I'm on yeah, the, the I mean, poor man's even, iPad with the, the touchpad at home, but like, I, for, but for even whatever, on the iPad, I use it in landscape. Yeah, for whatever reason, really, like, I, yeah. de- I default to landscape for everything. Really, just, like the like the it, mail client, for yeah. example, I can see on on the, in landscape mode, I can see the headers on the side, and you can't do that in. Portrait. Like you pull do the pop up. Yes, you have to do the pop up. I like the pop up. It's a manual. I don't thing. like the pop up. I don't like the the menu bar pop up. But when reading a web page. I find it so much easier to scroll. Mm. Yeah, right. I, I double tap to zoom into that column, and no. then that's what I that's what I read. Mm-hmm. So it's one wide column of of text and pictures and and internet. well, regardless of how you use like an iPad, a sixteen by nine Android tablet is I think more difficult to hold in portrait because it's taller and the weight distribution's off. Well, I, th- I think, when, I, when think we're talking about I don't think that it, because it's taller. I think it's because of your second point. I think they, if they redid the weight distribution, it would be uh, actually yeah. more page friendly than a four by three one. Possible, yeah. and that's why I do like the seven inch sixteen by nines, right? Because that you can hold in one hand. Yep. Mm-hmm. But like a ten inch sixteen by nine, yep. like Juju came out, yeah. and, and even the uh, the Galaxy Tab ten point one, that was really hard to hold right. in, in portrait. Right. But I think the weight distribution is different, and it was a little lighter than yeah. that. Probably would be better. Yeah, I mean, if it was under a pound, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Um, the, the, so yeah, I, I think the, I think we're going to see some interesting stuff happen at the end of the year when windows eight, I mean, that, that's my, that's my takeaway on the Android tablet thing. I think nobody's buying Android tablets for a pretty specific reason. And I mean, you've used Android tablets, so you, you know, well, it's, it's, people who good. buy Android tablets, some of them, a lot of people are using them as like laptop replacements and right. they want to actually do transformer real, is what you're yeah, exactly about. like real, real t- typing on it. And the transformer is o- only okay for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Should, hold on. There was something I wanted to come back to in that whole talk, and that was about Microsoft, about everybody else letting Apple lead the way, because uh, it kind of ties into the thing we're going to talk about next, which is the Ultrabook spec stuff. Right. But basically, Apple led the way with the MacBook Air in in making sub three pound laptops affordable, right. you know, in, at a thousand dollar price point, which was a, a as somebody who bought sub three pound laptops that cost two thousand and twenty five hundred dollars two years before that. This is an exciting thing for me. Uh, and then Intel and the PC ecosystem kind of followed up. The interesting thing about it is, was Intel had to encourage with financial help the PC manufacturers to come into that MacBook Air, that sub-three-pound market, because they weren't, they weren't going to do it or they couldn't make economies of scale work or whatever. So Apple's been leveraging supply chain and their design stuff to, to, to do, do things like launch the iPad and launch the MacBook Air at sub-three-pounds and, and a bunch of other things. And I, I mean – your comment about last year's tablets, Android manufacturers launching last year's tablets at CES, is 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 right on. Right. Although, don't you think that the the Envy fourteen is like way cool? It's too heavy. No, really? It's too heavy. How heavy is it? Four pounds. They say just three point nine seven pounds. Four pounds. It's four pounds. It's, I mean, the, the glass on top looks great, but it's not in MacBook Air. Alternative. It's the kind of thing that, that when you look at it on a trade show floor, you think, wow, that is really cool. And then the moment you put it in your bag and you carry it around for a month, you're going to be pissed off at yourself for buying that instead of something. Because the glass, while of really neat material, adds so much weight and and is nothing but aesthetic. Which And there's a reason that none of these Ultrabook makers are making 11-inch like, MacBook Air 11-inch competitors. They're all like 13-inch models. Why? It's, it's cheaper. I mean oh, – yeah. Yeah, it's, you don't have to pack as much stuff in. Yeah. You can use the same boards, and more room for battery, which is also nice. Um, so, I mean, how bad is is it? Is are the PC is the PC ecosystem messing up by letting Apple lead the way in everything? It seems like, or many things. Many things. I wouldn't say everything, but yeah, yeah I, I, on, the, on on these uh, Ultrabook things, I would tend to agree with that because the the other problem with the Ultrabooks is that they, except with a couple of exceptions, they all like feel like I'm using the same thing with a different shell. Right. You know what I mean? And and the and couple exceptions <laughs> being like the Lenovo, which is kind of cool. The and foldy one or the other one? The other one. Okay. And then the Asus, which has got a bigger, a more higher density screen. The um, Asus is really... But it's, it's got a terrible pointing device. So that kind of... Yeah, I'm glad. It's funny. Everybody I talk to has either bought that and is defending it because they they want to feel good about their purchase, right. or used it and said, "No, you can't. That trackpad is awful." Yeah, and the keyboard's not real hot either, frankly. Right. Um, the Ultrabook. The, Casey Johnson over at ours wrote a good thing about the the kind of impact, like the the looseness of Intel's Ultrabook specs. Because the interesting thing to me about the ultra, the press conference at CES, especially, was that they talked about Ultrabooks for an hour and never once mentioned clock speeds or memory or storage right. or mm-hmm. well, if, if no you look speeds at, and feeds at all. If, if you look at Intel's blog posts and uh, Intel's uh, all their messaging on Ultrabooks, it's very, very, and even like if you go to the Wikipedia page for Ultrabooks, it, there's no definitive source for what defines an Ultrabook. They say I think the only spec that I've seen that Intel kind of hard kind of tries to push the vendors into oddly is not resolution or any other any other crap. It's no. how fast it boots. It's, it's well, I, I emailed Intel and they their Ultrabook person got back to me and we put this in our story about and they have a specific requirement, but it's, it's different for each generation of Ultrabooks. So right. the ones that came out last year, the Sandy, the Sandy Bridge, Bridge ones, ones, have different requirements that ones that will come out this year with Ivy Bridge, and also be different than ones that come out at the end of the year with touchscreens. Right. And they're all different like requirements for what you can 
build, an OEM can build to get the ultra book branding and, and marketing money. But the but the requirements are things like use this CPU and chipset, which has always well, been the okay, case. Well, there, okay, specific. Stuff. I'm, I'm going to pull up the email. Okay, okay, so that's like Centrino email. all over again. Yeah, right? it is it just is. like Centrino. I mean, they even said, this is we're doing this just like we did Centrino, which they've said with Core and a bunch of other stuff along the way. But Right, well, from my perspective, when I first read about Ultrabooks, when they first announced them, I said, not getting a Sandy Bridge Ultrabook. Um, San- Ultrabook is really an Ivory Bridge play, and they're just doing the Sandy Bridge ones as a stopgap. I mean, it was right. really obvious from the get-go, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I think Ivory Bridge is sort of the real target anyway. Yeah, yeah. so the first-gen Ultrabooks, uh, they, they call it targeted features. So even in their uh, you know final fact sheet, which is like hidden in a PDF on their site, um, I'd ask for it. It's just called targeted features. While we know OEMs, when they talk to Intel, there are specific requirements that they have to meet. So Thick, on, thickness requirements. Thickness, like there's so, a screen thickness right. requirement well, right. for every ultra. Bar. 21 millimeters is their um, max thickness. And that's right. actually that's two, over two centimeters. That's pretty thick, actually. Right. Compared it's a, to what it's you a, think just about under an inch, Air. basically. Um, and an ultra-fast startup. Three and quarters. Right. Uh, using the Intel Rapid Smart technology. So that's, that's for the Centrino thing, that's basically using like like... Intel forcing people to use their Wi-Fi chips. Right. Um, extended battery life. So you need to have five to eight hours of battery life and uh, has to have Intel's anti-theft security stuff and identity protection. Um, and then, of course, it needs to use Sandy Bridge or, or uh, Ivy Bridge. Right. So re- relatively loose uh, requirements. Well, but I mean, the, the weight and the thickness stuff is, is the interesting part because it seems like they're being much tighter on that than a lot of the – and the boot time. The boot time, like the sub right. the sub uh, eight-second boot and the three-second resume, is that it? Or yeah, two-second resume. Like that, yeah. um, the, like that's the stuff they do actually beat Apple. It's boot resumes and boots faster than a MacBook Air, um, which is really nice. But but allowing things like hybrid hard drives instead of just pure SSDs and letting people put optical drives and all sorts of other crazy stuff in seems like they're kind of diluting their their early marketing mm-hmm. push. Um, I I don't know. I I think anything that makes sub three pound laptops under a thousand dollars is probably good. But right. Well, my take on it: things like the add on well, stuff, like an optical drive, if they're still three pounds and eight hour battery life, I don't care if they put an optical drive in it. And Samsung's, I, I mean, the, the only thing they had on the CS show floor that they called an Ultrabook mm-hmm. was one with an optical drive, Series right. Five, right? right? And did not look that good. The, how, how, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. <clears throat> how consumer facing is this whole Ultra? Hundred percent. Like, like, is, All, it, like, that, is there yeah. a logo that's going to be? Is it, is it on the order of like Intel inside I, in terms of? Getting people to identify and desire. Uh, I think it's more consumer facing even than a logo. I think it's okay. just going to be, hey, you don't want a notebook or a netbook. You want an Ultrabook. Okay. Yeah. I think they want people to go to Best Buy and say, hey, you should buy an Ultrabook. Um, the, the, the thing that I don't understand why they don't enforce, especially after using that Asus UX31, is input. Because yes. screen size they're, they're focused on, but a laptop with a bad trackpad, like the, the number one thing that, that Macs have is that you know the trackpad is going to be good. Right. And in many cases, like when I say I prefer a trackpad for like desktop work, for browsing the web and writing and things like that, it's because you literally kick your thumb back and, and you have full mouse movement without having to lift your hands off of the keyboard. And that is awesome. And it's something that very few PC manufacturers do right, and it's something that Intel really has to nail. That and the, and the if you, like the shift key on these on this ASUS laptop doesn't work. It's it's one out of ten times you match the shift key, the letter isn't capitalized. I mean that kind of stuff is inexcusable, right. and they have right. to call these products if if they want this to compete with what Apple's. Well, doing. the way I look at it is the way I put it to somebody is that whenever I type on on my Air. Any typos are my typos. Right. They're not because the keyboard's weird. 
right? So and and may, like we do not live in a time when you should have to make excuses for the keyboard on a laptop. Right. There are enough products out there that do that well. You shouldn't buy anything with a bad keyboard or right. or a bad trackpad. So anyway, I'm I'm done ranting about the ultrabooks. If anybody else has anything to add, well, we can move yeah. on to the next topic. Yeah. Um, Target, other retailers. Are working to prevent showrooming. Norm, you 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 <laughs> yes. you brought this to our attention. One of our apps of the year last year was uh, what cl- click and scan or scan and click. I can't remember what it's yeah. called, but I use it all the time because I I literally go to Best Buy and I take a picture of the barcode and then it tells me that what I'm getting ready to buy at Best Buy is four dollars cheaper at Amazon. And, and we've all done this. We've gone to a bookstore and, Bar- and Borders does not exist anymore, partly because of this. I don't uh, think it's it's not because of this. It's because partly, Borders. Borders has been overpriced dramatically by for twenty yeah, years. You should not be selling DVDs for thirty dollars. Right, correct. Um, but uh, whether it's a you know small mom and pop brick and mortar store or a Target, people do go to stores and on their phones, you know, run one of Amazon's four price checking apps and then and make a purchasing decision based on that. Right, and Target has come out to say you know they want to they they don't want their stores to be a showroom for Amazon. Um, and Amazon earlier in the year, earlier or later, I guess late last year, uh, ran this uh, the scheme. I don't know if you guys heard about this, where they rewarded people who used right. yes, apps. So if you use a price matching app, you got five percent discount on a future purchase just for trying out, just for price matching in a store. And uh, small mom and pop shops got obviously um, they were not unhappy about this. Uh, Target's now saying they they're, they will not um, promote certain products. From manufacturers like a Canon or a Sony or you know electronics mostly, uh, unless uh, they create special SKUs. Um, well, so this is they can't this match is them up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but someone's it's, it's, this it's, has been it's, going on for years in yeah. other industries. It's not an. In- Have you ever bought a mattress? Yeah. Yes. Do you know that the same mattress is not available at different mattresses? Yes. It's, and that's how they that's how they that, that's how they keep ex, this, the, that sort of thing. Well, that's how they that's that how they that's how they price match any right. mattress guaranteed minus ten percent is because Sleep Train only has Sleep Train mattresses. Is, is that right. why you get all these retailer specific television models? Same yeah. yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. But it's not even that you'll you'll, you'll get a cert, you'll, you'll find you won't find the same Serta model at two different chains. They'll, they'll actually be the same mattress. Even though exactly they, the basically, yeah, they basically are the same yeah. model. Right. It's just, just different, different SKUs. Different yeah. part right. Right. So, I mean, so, some smart programmer or some guy creating a database will just, you know, or people in forums will just match those all and, and consumer, I mean, it'll, it'll stop consumers from doing the barcode scan. But anyone who does a Google search will, will know. Well, what will happen is Blu-rays and DVDs and books will have different covers for Target and, and Walmart and, and Barnes and & Noble models than they do for the Amazon model. So that when you when you do the take the picture of the front of the thing with the Amazon app, it doesn't come up with the same. Although the I same went around model. all over my house and just pointed that thing at various devices and covers and stuff. And it only hit about 40%. It, it, it's, it's funny because it's really good on books and DVDs and stuff like that. It's really bad on everything else was my experience. So is this a solvable problem for well, large, large footprint retailers? Like over Retailers time, have to change their experience. Yeah, yeah, the other story that's kind of tied to this that came out is that you know the guy who created the Apple stores for Steve Jobs quit to be the CEO of JCPenney. And just this week he launched his, the first part of his big JCPenney Revamp by buying a big two-page ad. I don't know if you've seen this ad, and in, in, I think it was in the New York Times um, or some magazine. Some changing the magazine. world. One New York Times ad at a well, time. Well, it was it was their uh, it was their think different 
um, campaign for JC Penney. So it's like right. big blue skies and had this like really nice, you know, uh, story on the side about they don't need to be your the best store, the lowest price store, but they want to be your favorite store. And so he's taking all the experience he learned from <laughs> creating the Apple stores and that experience and basically trying to change uh, big box well, retail. But a large portion of why the Apple stores work is that they Apple makes good products. I, I don't know that I I think that JC Penney may be terminally not good at this well, point. Well, that's his challenge. Right. And, I mean, it, I'm glad that the retail experience is changing because retail experience sucks. Right. The thing that has to change is that retail brick and mortar and big box stores have to offer something different, have to offer something better than the impersonal face of Amazon. And right, right now they don't. They've just got so many other considerations in terms of overhead, you know? Well, yeah. Floor employees and, and, and space. But uh, the, the thing they have to do is turn those, those, those overheads into benefits right, that, that serve points. us. Right. I mean, right now, when you go into uh, most most big box retail stores, do you feel like you're getting good service no, or terrible service? Terrible experience. Right. You Last time I went to Best Buy and looked at, at TVs, uh, I wasn't even harangued by a Best Buy employee. There was literally an LG liaison there uh-huh. well, in, in an LG although, Polo, like trying to sell me on an LG TV I've, instead of the Samsung. I've had two at. relatively positive retail experiences recently that's worth it. I mean, furniture buying, which is like the worst experience in the world for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Yeah. But we found this one store where the, the, the two different sales reps were like – I'd love to know where this is off, off air. Or I mean, you can yeah. give them a plug if uh, you want. But. Scandinavian Design in Cupertino. Ah, okay. That's where I got my, uh, my bed. And then the other one was um, – um, was it, 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 it? Was it? Oh, uh, it's a it's a Best Buy spinoff, not a spinoff. It's a part of Best Buy, but there it's specific sales. Oh, okay, for, for for appliances, and okay. I think that specifically in both cases were because individual reps were really great, not necessarily because they and they're actually knowledgeable about knowledgeable, those products yeah, right. as opposed no, to not just about products, but about how you use them. Like yeah. the guy selling appliances said, "This is." He says, what are you trying to do? And we tell him, he says, oh, you don't want this stuff over here. Then you want this stuff over here, that kind of thing. Well, right. part of the problem is that a lot of – and a lot of, and this doesn't necessarily apply to Best Buy, but a lot of times the people who may not the, – the customer service representatives right. who do not give the best customer service right. are rewarded because then they're moving more extended warranties or whatever, you know, arbitrary, not customer service focused – well, we know um, what happened to Circuit City when they started doing that. Right, right. Uh, you know, just as an aside, this, I, I, was, I couldn't help laughing. I was walking through an airport, and Best Buy has vending machines now, right? Yeah. And it's interesting the way they phrase it. says, says uh, electronics at Best Buy prices, not at best prices, but at no. Best Buy prices. <laughs> yeah, well, Best Buy is a good price. Oh, wait, no, hold on, not necessarily. Um, they still they, – they do have – they do be – It was sort of – on most some, stuff. Yeah, but it was sort of truth in advertising, I thought, it was kind of, in, in a very kind of – Sneaky way. Yeah. Well, the thing about those Best Buy kiosks is you don't have to deal with the with the dude trying to sell you an extended no, warranty. It's not the thing. dude that's trying to sell me stuff that I have a problem with. It's well, specifically with like Target and Jay Penny. It's the sometimes the people there that just like it's, there's you, too many people. You mean the the customers? The customers. <laughs> oh, like, I don't want to be sworn. Like, you're I'm, saying I'm, you're above them? No, Chuds. I, no, I'm not, was not saying. Don't don't. Gary's put words not here. Mouth. I went to go to Target to buy Lego. And it was a terrible experience. I, I kind of knew what I wanted to get. What time did you go? I went, I went on a weekend. Yes. Okay. Early morning on a weekend. This is why working out of my house is a wonderful thing. I always go shopping in the middle of the day. Oh, it's best. Weekday. That's the best. I mean, it's like the lines and the screaming kids and – oh, it was depressing. No Christian wig. Yeah, I, I don't like going I, – I avoid going to Target and the mall as much as humanly possible. I just avoid leaving my house as much as possible. It's a good policy. Works out pretty well. Yeah. Um, I like going to the grocery store late at night or really early in the morning. Like Sunday morning at like 7 o'clock at the grocery store is fantastic because mm-hmm. there's nobody there. 
So you just walk in, you get what you want. They look at you funny when you buy beer at seven o'clock on Sunday. No, morning, you cannot but. buy beer at a Safeway until a certain time in the morning. Seven, they, I buy beer at seven seven thirty. Yeah, I think all it's like I think it's four a.m. They can even though like twenty four hour Safeway. What are you, you doing to buy beer at 4 a.m. on Sunday, I'm just, Chan? Just letting people know, in San Francisco, there is a regulation. I don't live in San Francisco. Oh, well, I live lucky, someplace lucky you. <laughs> but even if it's 24-hour Safeway, from like midnight to 4 a.m., you cannot buy alcohol. Yes. You got you to wait. From midnight? Or, some like, or well, from, from 2 like 2 a.m. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. is the state-mandated yeah. cutoff. Okay. Yeah. But that's nothing out of the ordinary. That's Right. It's not like South Carolina. You can't, you can't buy alcohol anywhere after 2 a.m. That's just some places, the law. Some places, that is the law. Some places you can't buy alcohol on Sunday. Yeah. Period. I'm I'm from such place. Yeah. Speaking of the retail experience. Yeah. Uh, could you guys explain the scarcity of self checkout in this area? Wait, you Scar- like is there an explanation? Self checkout. Like, awesome. going, going back to the East Coast for yeah. the holiday reminded me of like, man, I. You like so I don't have to deal. I, you walk right up to the thing. You swipe it. You type some stuff. They've in the always and broken. No, they always dude, yell at you for like, oh, you, you've taken something off the the waist. That sounds like something and, that somebody without access to self checkout would well, say. Well, I think it's implementation dependent too. Some self checkouts, yeah. are clean. They work well. Others, it's like the one the one I loved was the one at Home Depot, which was terrible. Right, you go in there, you do the self checkout thing, and then. There doesn't print the receipt there. The guy who is the attendant has to bring the receipt yeah. over, which is like the stupidest thing ever. It's like, where's my receipt? It's well, like, I that leave. just sounds like a bad self checkout. And I've, I've used some really good ones. Home Depot is a bad place for self checkout too, because you have you usually buy a bunch of stuff there that doesn't fit on the on the checkout. Right, right. So giant you, stuff. Yeah. Right. So like, if you don't put the the seventeen two by fours you just bought onto the weight thing, then it yells at you. Right. But. Like Bilo in Tennessee is a grocery store that does self checkout better than any place I've ever seen. Yeah. You you scan it, you put it in. There, I'm sure there's a certain amount of loss that they're just used to. They assume is going to happen, and you walk out and everything's awesome because because Lucky's got the memo for my ten year old self that I want to grow up and also have fun being a grocery store clerk. What are you saying that you're too good to be a grocery clerk? No, I'm Church, saying I, I like the Jam. service. It's too good for a lot of things, apparently. I um. I remember about 15 years ago when RFID was a new thing. Walmart had a demo of a guy just putting a bunch of stuff straight into bags in his cart. And then he just pushed the cart straight out the door <laughs> and he was charged and he didn't have to take anything out of the bags. There was no Imagine scanning. a world. And you know what? There, right. His refrigerator at home probably right. knew everything that he bought. Right. Then his refrigerator got and, a message then, that yep. said, here's the inventory. And also the, when the eggs would expire. So and the milk this because these items are about yeah. to go in. Right. So I, I, that's what I want. I don't want to have to. I just want to push the cart right between two gates, have it irradiate me and my food. Although I don't know how that would work with stuff that you buy so by weight. In, in my local supermarket, there are three types of checkout, right? You have the normal long like checkout for everyone. There's right. the 15 items or fewer. Yeah, and sure. I give them extra pluses. They go fewer instead of less in, in the yeah, sign. Yeah, because it's proper, grammar, right? proper, proper English. Um, and then there's self-checkout. And the lines are always different lengths. It's always a gamble. Really? It's always a game. My experience usually is that enough people are afraid of or too lazy for the self-checkout that you don't really have to wait. The self-checkout like a lot of people is the are, longest line. Really? Always. Okay. People well, have too much confidence in themselves to how that, fast well, they that, can check, yeah, check that, out. That's, that's, the other, that's, shame, that's my right? other experience is that, you know, that you're always waiting for some guy who can't figure out how self-checkout works. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, I think I you should assistance. have to get a self-checkout license. <laughs> like you should not be authorized to use self-checkout unless you can pass the test. You've been trained. <laughs> right. Unless you can realize that, oh, wait, the credit card goes into the thing on the top, not the thing where you've done all the other interactions. No self-checkout and, while intoxicated. Oh, God. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to buy booze or cigarettes at the self-checkout either. Well, I no, you can buy booze. Got, no, but the lady has to come no, Oh, and you know, nothing that requires and, and, human interaction should go through the self checkout. <laughs> well, then that's going to create a lot of more problems. I'm comfortable segregating people based on their ability to use self checkout. Um, 
tough issues settled on the Tested <laughs> Podcast today. Uh, the last thing we have on the story list today. Oh, two things. Uh, Untethered jailbreak for iPad 2 and iPhone 4S. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, it's well the iPad 2 one especially. The iPad well, the, A5 chips. Yeah, they, I think they were waiting on the iPhone 4S to come out to actually roll the, the Untethered jailbreak. I don't think they were waiting. They were trying to get it right. It's, it's lots, hard. Uh, it's very, very difficult. So the, the, the difference between untethered – tethered jailbreak has been out for a long time. But basically what that means is anytime your phone crashes or reboots for any reason, you have to plug it into a Mac or a PC. I think typically a Mac uh, in order to, to okay. kind of reseed the, the jailbreak. Uh, untethered means that it, it, the phone is just jailbroken forever and ever. Uh, and, and this is a kind of a good thing, although we were sitting around the office the other day talking about it and couldn't come up with a reason to jailbreak your phone at this point. All right, why? Uh, well, the the one that people on the internet told us was Flux. So you know the tool that um, like changes the color temperature of your monitor based on what time of day it is. So you get a warmer kind of more eye friendly monitor late at night when it's dark. Ask you, me if I care. Hey Lloyd, do you trust care about no, having Flux on your iPad? Not even remotely. After, after you use it, you'll care. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I hate I, that kind of stuff. I have a calibrated monitor. I don't even do that. Oh, you and your, <laughs> you and your Pantone correct color calibration. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think – I think there's less – with text tones, text tones were I think the last reason I jailbroke broke, broke my iPhone. Well, with jailbroken iPhones now, you can actually make Siri do more interesting things. Like That's true change, too. B- check battery. You, you Siri? Know, and, and actually tap in the more d- d- settings. And apps. Why do you, you, why do you, why do you think that stuff isn't built in by default? Like you think because they're the just afraid that yeah. – oh, OK. Or you think they're Apple. afraid it will scare people? I like, think it'll like, it'll like eventually. A lot of people don't want to know yes. about what's going on inside their phone. Yes, like they just want to maintain the illusion that it's all magic. Magic is good. Yeah, uh, I like magic. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, Wired. Uh, the Wired one of the Wired Science blogs did a really interesting write up about cheap batteries versus expensive batteries. I read that. Um, my take on that is a little different from you guys' take. I'll buy the expensive batteries because I don't want to freaking change my batteries all the time. I will tell you what my take is. Norm had a different take than me. Norman. Well, no, the, the story is that the non-alkaline cheap batteries, while they are, you know, proven to be worse than the brand name batteries, uh, they're not as they're s- not. I'm gonna say not cost effective, but they're not terrible. They're, there's they're it's. You're not wasting your money by Actually, it. I use Enloops rechargeable. That's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Just use Nickel Metal Hydride yeah. is, the, is yep. the answer. Yep. I've got about a yeah. zillion Enloops at my house. Especially yeah. since they have the, the, the second generation of them now, right. and they go for, I think, 1,800 charge cycles. Right. And the, the trail-off on the first day is – it used to be from 100% to 80%, and now it's from 100% to 90%. And that 90% holds for like a year now. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. They're awesome. Why would, yeah. you not, why would you not do nickel? And they're not right. even that much more expensive. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, invest they're, they're, in good batteries and invest in good uh, lights. For and your actually yeah. invest in a decent charger too. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the $30 the, charger was a good buy. Right. The, I don't remember. I don't, I've got this little charger. Each First of all, you can put one battery in it, which yes. drives me crazy when you have to at least put two, right? The other thing is it has a little meter on it. It tells me, it tells me how many, you know, how, how low. It actually tells me the milliwatt hours it's charging. And when and it's full, it says full. Yes. I've got, I've just got yeah, the I have little, the same one. I've just yes. got the little cheapo four slot. No. 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 <laughs> now I'm jealous. Now no. I need another one. The other nice thing about this one is it does both AA and AAA in the same right. without oh, an adapter. I don't have AAA one. Yeah, I've got one. Yeah. My parents got one as an Interloop set over the holiday that has, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. They have their adapters for C and D cells. 
Yes. Where you put like you put two of the double A's in this little cylinder that's the size and shape of a D cell. That's bananas. And then it, it will fit into whatever takes a D cell oh. and just act as, as a what D. What are they using? They need D cell batteries. Well, nothing, but they I I I clued them into the existence of Interloop and how great it is. Yeah. And then they just wanted to get Mag-like a set. flashlights. Yeah, so, this so is like a thirty dollar or maybe forty dollar set on Amazon that had all like it, was, it comes in like a lunchbox. That's Ooh, a great gift. Uh, I like a lunch, and it's got, Interloop lunchbox. And like a a big charger and a bunch of double and triple A's and then they fit into the seat. But what do you have in the house that really needs Double well, A's. Or, I mean, aside nothing, from game, I, game nothing, pads, I have nothing. Our, our, uh, our uh, scale, oh, our for, postal scale uses C cells. For double A's? Well, I'm, I'm saying or, double A's, you have you need game pad and maybe yeah, or Double A's remote. is a ton of Like stuff. Xbox controllers, TV remotes. That's uh, name uh, five things, different things. That uses double A's? Mm. Double A's or, or double super, A's, super A's, triple A's, triple My flash. Oh, your... My camera flash. flash. Oh, okay. That makes, yeah, okay. Mm. All right. I, I have a bunch my, of double A's My mouse... My mouse is yeah. a single really? AA battery. Oh. Key oh. wireless keyboards, uh, but yeah. I have dozens of Xbox controllers. It seems like they are always the it's batteries just, are always it's dead. It's just the Xbox controllers. Right? Um, the the well, I have a Harmony that has a rechargeable battery, but all the other remotes that you need once a once a year when the Harmony doesn't do exactly what you want it to do are all mm-hmm. AA. Got a set of clippers that takes a AA, like beard clippers. Yeah. Okay. Good to oh, know. I yeah. you meant like nail clippers. He wanted, he wanted I have a portable shaver that uses a CR one two three battery. If you can believe that. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Well, that's like a, what, like a ten dollar battery for a portable razor. Yeah, but it, I have never had to change the battery, and I've had this thing for four years now. Oh well, okay. I can I can, I can approve of that. Yeah. Um, or we can have that one cell phone that will last on one AA battery for ten years. The emergency, the, the glove yeah. compartment cell phone. Yeah. Do you pay a monthly service on that? Also, thing? No, you pop in your cell also all my LED oh, okay. flashlights, of which I have like a dozen now. Wait, those you mine use special batteries. I have no. Both. They, uh, I, I only buy the ones that use standard batteries now, oh. and I've got like one that does two hundred and twenty lumens, and it just uses a pair of AA batteries. Damn, I should invest in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, I bought a box of those specialized batteries. And, uh, no, I, the CR one twenty threes. Yeah, yeah. I avoided that entirely. Um, the uh, the the yeah I have one that uses the weird AAA adapter that you put three AAAs in and slide into the that's okay because that's still a yeah. standard battery yeah, yeah exactly um, so yeah that's that's uh, Eneloop uh, by Eneloops was the takeaway from that whole story do you know I, if, are any of the other competing brands like everybody is coming out with like, I think Rayovac has one and Energizer and <laughs> my understanding is like that I the, saw those at Walmart when I was back home and I was I was a little skeptical I'm sure the technology you know, is similar Apple but, has uh, yeah rechargeable batteries. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that the, the, the Eneloop is about half marketing and half some sort of special composition that makes them discharge slower. Because uh, like the Apple ones come pre-charged. Basically, the the thing the differentiator between oh. good nickel metal hydride and bad nickel metal hydride is if it comes pre-charged, it's probably good. If it doesn't, then it's not going to hold the And charge. by the way, the, 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 the uh, a pretty good deal, by the way, is Amazon Basics. Mm. Pre-chargeable. They, yeah. Pre-charged. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, so that's what's going on in news this week. Anybody else have anything we want to talk about before we roll? We'll talk about they off. want to talk about that one thing oh. that we said we wouldn't talk about. No, but, uh, no let's talk about you the said we wouldn't talk about it. I, I had at the top of the list and we skipped over it because fast Fourier transforms were so exciting. I think it, <laughs> it was number two on the list. I know. <laughs> you mean idle speculation about something we really know nothing? Six about? times faster, guys. <laughs> okay. Well, if nothing else, we just need to tell people to knock it off. Right. The general consensus or that, guy to knock it off. There's a story on the internet. Well, everybody's taken it and run with it at this point. Not us. You're right. Yeah, high five. Some some people have <laughs> some people have exercised some discretion oh. on this subject. Okay, <laughs> so uh, the last two months there have been a bunch of rumors about next generation Xbox because we're getting to that time of the cycle, and and this is people have to write stories about stuff, and and this is idle speculation is exciting here. And GDC is coming up. GDC is around the corner, which is where we would assume. 
the 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 first of this don't stuff understand. Start happening. Rumors don't matter unless it's Apple rumors. <laughs> Chan, be quiet. We already get enough <laughs> grief about that. Um, so he, here's the thing on the next Xbox. The rumor is that AMD tap, taped out a GPU about a month and a half ago now, right? Uh, early December, I think. The other rumor is that IBM and Microsoft taped out the CPU uh, earlier this month. Put these two things together along with a rumor that the GPU in the next generation of Xbox is going to be roughly equivalent to a 6670, I think, an AMD Radeon 6670. And then dumb things start happening, like people writing stories that say, next Xbox is six times faster than existing Xbox. We had a really long conversation about this at the office yesterday, <laughs> about the many different ways that, that gross oversimplifications are dumb. Don't participate in this, please, because yeah. it's dumb. There are 50 million bottlenecks in a modern console. There's the video card memory bandwidth bottleneck. There's the video card to CPU bottleneck. There's the number of shader processors in the GPU but bottleneck. Well, six times better. There's the amount of memory and the speed of the memory. There's waiting there's, for the crap to load off your optical disk. Yeah. There's there's the interface between the CPU, uh, the, the main system, and the hard drive, the mass storage. There's whether it's a hard drive with spinning disks or flash memory. There's 50 million ways... That a, that a next generation console can be faster than the other. To say that a machine is this complex is six times faster than the existing one is asinine. Scoop. That's it. Well, there you have it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I have to say. I'm going to step back. I, would, I mean, even even when you mic. know even when you know all the specs down to the last pathway, yep. you don't know what each developer is going to be using yeah. it for. This is Brad, the, the different the bottleneck in Skyrim is different than the bottleneck in Saints Row the Third. Yeah, or Gears of War. Right. Or like the or or some RTS yeah. that somebody may magically make good on a console one day. So yeah, that's that's why idle when when they announce specs and we like. The big things for me are the first generation X. The, the 360 has a very limited number of shader processors because it's based on basically like a Radeon 9700, 9800, right. ancient ass. I guess what was that like R300, R200? Long time ago. Let's yeah, six six year old right. graphics processor mm-hmm. at the dawn of the DirectX 9 right. programmable uh, shader architecture. And even the PS3 is like one generation better. It's you know oh yeah barely it's, one barely. generation seven seven thousand series Nvidia right. Yeah. Right, so so like whatever's coming is going to be based on DirectX 11. It's going to, um, I mean, obviously, it's going to have a, a massive number of more shader processors than we have available now. Instead of being specialized shader processors that are either pixel shaders or vertex shaders, they'll be multi-purpose universal shaders that you can use for whatever you want, or developers can use for whatever they want. Uh, it's going to have more memory memory bandwidth and more memory, but the amount of memory is not. Like it's not like this is a PC. Uh, like, and like Newegg is not supplying DDR3 to these manufacturers <laughs> to, to, to to make their consoles. Yeah, and and I mean the point of it is is that the the point of all this is that nobody knows the people who know anything about this can't talk about it right now, or else the the, the man comes down on them. And anything else is idle speculation. So so don't it's it's it, I mean it's fun, and it, just know that what you're doing is fun and right. not. But but also know that you don't really know what you're talking about. Well, not because nobody, nobody does. knows. Even nobody if you're does. About and it. there's a right way to speculate and, and a stupid way to speculate. Right. And over right. gross simplification is like there. like don't take these weird nebulous numbers and then engage yeah. in like these fanboy system war yeah. wank fests. Oh my god, my PS4 is going to be so much better than yeah. your Xbox 720, noob. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it for news. Um, uh, let's talk about what we're testing. 
Uh, first up, quick rundown of what's been on the site this week. Uh, we had uh, we well, we did a kind of weird combo video of iPhone car, uh, iPhone and Android car accessories that we've tested out and are good. Uh, like a suction cup dash mount thing and uh, stuff that we used basically on the 10-hour drive to CES and back and that turned out to be quite good and, yeah. and that we like. Uh, so that's, Cheap too, not, not expensive stuff. Yeah, like 20 bucks worth of stuff total. Yeah. Uh, plus the stuff that we used to stream video using that webcam right there and uh, a laptop and uh, Verizon MiFi for the said aforementioned 10-hour drive. Was that Gary's MiFi? Uh, no, we use, oh, we actually bought had, one. Yeah, my five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were going to use Gary's, and then I got to thinking about what a pain in the ass it was going to be to pay Gary's cell phone bill. <laughs> so I just went to the store and bought one. <laughs> sure. Uh, and also how handy it would be to have a MiFi all our own. Is um, that that's through Verizon? The not, one, not not to derail this. No, topic, no, it's, it's through Verizon because we wanted four G. So would, right now is what Verizon refers to as four G the same as the LTE that's on AT and T or those competing standards? What's the deal with what is four G? Uh, so the 4G can mean a lot of different things. Okay. 4G can mean WiMAX if you were on Sprint a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, T-Mobile calls 4G HSPA Plus, which is also what AT&T called 4G. Isn't that like more like 3.5? Yes, 3.5 is exactly right. Okay. Um, Verizon LTE and the new released in I think like six markets, AT&T 4G LTE. It's got to be fun to be a marketer for <laughs> AT&T, right? Because like six months ago they were saying, we have, we have 4G. And now they have to Honest. differentiate between their shitty 4G actually, and fair, real 4G. They never actually said 4G. They said 4G. AT&T never said 4G. HSPA 4G. Plus, they marketed as 4G last year, second half of last year. I never. Well, they didn't have the big 4G like logo and billboards and the fancy with the fire, the flame coming out of the 4G. No, they'll have, they, they said things like we have 4G speeds. Yeah, uh, 4G speeds. Were, okay, right. That, that's the, the, a fine distinction. Right. Lloyd, you used to work in marketing at some point. <laughs> I did. Um but the but the 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 4G on Verizon is LTE is LTE and AT and T is also is adopting LTE. LTE is it the same LTE it's different spectrums similar oh, technology okay so it's not the like you can take lobby. a MiFi from Verizon okay. and run it on AT and T's network because okay. they own different bands hmm. so the antennas are different all right um, and and there's underlying stuff that's different on their implementations I'm sure well, I mean because you know that. right now like since they both have the iPhone you're in the 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 GSM versus CDMA yeah uh, pros and cons war. Yeah, but like the next generation of that stuff, when they're both using LTE, is it going to be kind of no. apples and apples, or still is it still going to there's still going to be disparities? There's no there's no saying that they're not going to have GSM and CDMA antennas in the next in the LTE phones anyway. Well, yeah, they'll have. Nobody's to. using LTE voice at right. this point. That's okay. my understanding. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we tested all that stuff out. The MiFi worked. Like it was funny because last year when we did the drive, we had to keep switching phones a because we'd run out of battery and b because. Either Verizon or AT&T, whoever we were using, had massive dead spots at different points in oh, the yeah. drive. Had to switch from 3G to Edge, which yeah. you can't even do now manually on the 4S. Yeah. So, uh, and, and we also actually use a laptop and webcam as opposed to streaming from the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For people who watch live stream, it was, it was a much better experience. <coughs> much more fun. At least we thought. Seemed like to us. Um, and the, the camera on the webcam was better than the phone camera uh, for like the weird driving stuff that we were doing. So – uh, and and we also talked about the lenses. So I have one of them right here, but it's like a little mag stick-on lens. Mm-hmm. We put the metal ring on the camera. I like those lenses. <coughs> I think they're fun. Uh, they are fun. That fisheye lens that we got that's the 180 field of view was nausea-inducing. <laughs> oh, it's, that's definitely fun. Crazy. Um, a Lumia 710 quick look should be on the site tomorrow morning. So uh, Friday morning, if you're listening to this on Thursday, it'll be there tomorrow when you come to work. Um. Uh, Nothing too special about that. It's 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 a 800 with a worse camera and yeah. eight gigs of memory yeah. of a flash instead of uh, 16. 
Still no micro SD slot, a little I bit think, smaller battery. I think if I were to get a phone for my parents who are on T-Mobile right now. It's a really specific uh, Exactly, case. very specific. For some people who don't like technology but want a good camera. Cause, yeah, an okay uh, camera. An okay camera, better than what's on their Blackberries. Yeah. Uh, and maybe like internet or something. Okay. Like YouTube. Uh, I would get that instead of an Android phone that's on T-Mobile. But you're a well-known Android hater. I'm not an Android hater. I just think, don't think my parents would get Android. Okay. Comprehend it. Fair enough. Uh, you've been spending some time with the HP NV17. Yeah, they sent us the 17, and we saw the 15 and it's the like 17 a laptop. Uh, a year ago. And it's like, if you want, if you want any, if you want to touch the Spectre, the 14 Spectre in the future, please, please check out our 17. Um, <laughs> they didn't actually say no, that. No, they didn't say that. But uh, this is what was available. And uh, I don't know who needs a 17-inch laptop PC these days. Uh, I, photographers for, and video, videographers. And you know what? Right. The the screen on this one is really good. Mm-hmm. It's a really, Does really it have nice the glass screen. back? No glass back. Okay. But, no. it's, I mean, it's their edge-edge screen. And almost, almost every pro photographer I know carries around a, 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 massive, a MacBook 17. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, Mark Medeo always had. Yeah. This is the new 17 inch MacBook Pro for gaming, not so hot, not not impressive. Does it have um, discrete graphics, discrete graphics, uh, AMD graphics, and uh, I mean it's 19, it's a 20, 1080p screen, and on that laptop, it's not like one of those Dell XPS laptops where you can play everything maxed out. Um, can I rant for a second? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. loathe GPU numbering schemes for both AMD and NVIDIA on, on mobile. mobile. Oh, yeah, yeah they're, it's incomprehensible. It's like, well, it's also like typically one to two grades slower than yes. the equivalent one on desktop. Yeah, so like a so 6,000 series. You say, cool, I've got a mobile GTX 580. I can only run it 20 frames a second. What's yep. going on? Yeah, because so. really the last generation, maybe a smaller process. Right. And so well, battery efficient. Yeah, it's a GTX. A GTX 580 is a GTX 480 era core. No, no, no. What is like GTX 580 really is like a GTX 560 on your desktop. And 560 isn't oh, even okay. the same. fewer shaders. Yeah. Literally, sometimes yeah. half the number of shaders. It's not even same. clock speeds. Yeah. Wow. And, well, and, and there's got to be a better way to name that stuff. Right. But they say, well, it's the equivalent market. And I said, equivalent uh, uh, <laughs> market. Oh, that's bullshit. That. <laughs> yes. The equivalent market is, is means, hey, we're full of shit and we know it. But we want to charge, can a lot charge more. Yeah, yeah. That's what it means. Exactly. Uh, no compromises. No compromised GPUs, mobile oh, GPUs. Uh, so on this one, um, we're shooting that quick later today. I can run things native resolution like Arkham City um, and uh, Dirt 3. Really? Maxed out, but no DX11. Turning on DX11 is a bad idea. For uh, these laptops. For mobile GPUs. Uh, and the big test for me was StarCraft. And StarCraft native resolution, low to medium settings were ideal. Not even high Yikes. or ultra or extreme. Yikes. What was your APM? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, dramatically lower on this laptop because just playing a 2v2 game, I couldn't get over 40 FPS uh, unless it was lower medium graphics. How is keyboard and mouse? Uh, like track keyboard, pad. trackpad, not glass trackpad. Not terrible trackpad, but again, not a glass trackpad. So. Okay. Hmm. Not the best trackpad. Uh, I mean, the, so on the Ultrabooks more than the than this thing, the trackpad, like when the hardware inside is essentially the same, then what it looks like and what the keyboard and mouse are like are, are, are much more, seem to be much more important, I think. You think it's more important that the keyboard and mouse or that the keyboard think, trackpad are good on a full P, uh, desktop I think if, if, you're, if you're talking about any laptop, if the keyboard and mouse aren't good, it's a deal breaker. Because sure. if you're yeah, using yeah, it as a yeah. laptop, right, sure, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, Nobody's gonna agree with that. Lloyd, you brought in something interesting today. I brought in well, a couple things. I brought in a milk frother. I've never used one of these. I've, I have a manual one of these that I've used twice actually. Yeah. 
No, this is great because it's 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 fire and forget, right? So this is so, a compresso. Yeah, it's a compresso. It looks like a little cup, right? A measuring cup almost. It does. You it put has... your milk in there. Okay. And then you press the little button for the hot milk. Okay. And you have to plug it in a wall, obviously, and you walk away. Does it have like a, a wand or something in there that spins around? Yeah, there's around, a little or... spinner. There's a little spinner on the inside. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it and looks it looks like a whisk almost. Or right, like a right. Drink it comes with an extra one, you know, plugged in the bottom. Here. Okay. Anyway, so you, you press it and you fire and forget and it and it. Frost the milk and it finishes when it's done. You don't have to turn it off manually. So, what, like, what does it optimize temperature and stuff like that? Is I think it's I think inside? it's a temperature sensor. But okay. what, what I found was like you know using I tend to use one percent milk. Yeah, and then I add like a teaspoonful of half and half, ah, and you get this really creamy fat. stuff. Well, you see, if you use pure half and half, it doesn't work very well. Oh, that would be gross. Um, and it's, it's gross too, but it just doesn't work. So, but just adding in just a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon of half and half with one percent milk. How long does it great. take? So you make it what two percent milk? About two basically. and a half minutes. Huh. Two and a half minutes. Yeah, so about time. So I start this up. I grab my AeroPress, make my coffee, yep. got my cup ready. It's done. Yeah, latte. Yep. Well, no, because the AeroPress doesn't really make espresso. But uh, let's not go there. That's a different <laughs> conversation. Despite what the box says, it just makes really you nice. Make a like a latte. Uh, well, so enlighten me. I mean, I, I, I drink coffee black. That's all I know. Black like your soul. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I have no soul. But, okay. Um, um, so what, what does what does frothy like the void milk, where like, your be? If it's not if it's not a latte, what what does the frothy milk go in? Well, okay, what do you so do with it? T- tr- it'd, be, it'd be what the Europeans call a cafe au lait or something. like Yeah, that. yeah. exactly. Coffee so with milk, brewed coffee with froth milk on yeah. top is okay. what Lloyd is making. Um, this this is good though because like I have a single boiler espresso right. machine. It also has other modes. Like if you just want to like fire up for hot chocolate, you can. You see, if you do, use the milk frother. It you can only put so much in because it's cause, yeah, right. yeah. If you want to make hot chocolate, you push a different button and you can put more stuff in. But it makes a cool vortex when you when you have the frother oh, going, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is good for people who like me. Like I have a Ranchilio Silvia espresso machine. It is a single boiler, really nice for making espresso straight, like straight espresso. You know, with the little crema on top and the little tiny cup. But because it's single boiler, there's a fairly substantial cycle time from when you transition from going to espresso mode. To making to, steam to milk. steaming milk mode, because right. it what happens is it has to increase the water level in the boiler, heats the water in the boiler up to, to boiling. Because when you're making espresso, it's usually like 205, a little bit lower, and uh, the pump doesn't fire when you when you go into steam milk mode. It just it takes steam straight out of the top and blasts it out of a wand, and that takes long enough. Like you don't want to have to wait. Ideally, ideally you want to be making the espresso and steaming the milk at exactly the same time, so that when the espresso is done, you pour the milk in and then you right, make your right. latte or your cappuccino yeah, yeah. or whatever, depending on how much milk and how frothy it right. is and how much of a, a foam you put on. This is really interesting to me because this yeah. could save me. Like the difference between a single boiler machine, like the Silvia, which is five hundred, six hundred dollars, and a comparable semi-automatic good espresso machine that also has a second boiler for for steaming. Is it puts you up another five or six hundred dollars? Right, they're crazy expensive. Yeah. So how much this one? This was like seventy bucks. Oh. Yeah. So that that's that is exciting actually, to it's me. A, like sixty, actually more I, like sixty. It's one of those things that you have like specialized devices. The the counter space it takes is also a f- factor to consider. Well, yeah. Except this counter space this takes is not much bigger than a co- large coffee cup. Right. Well, yeah, and a double a two boiler espresso machine is usually significantly yeah, yeah. wider. Right. Uh, the other thing that's happening on the espresso machine front is that lots of people are using heating blocks. To make steam now instead of a uh, – instead of so essentially it's like if you're an old PC guy and you ever had a, a Peltier cooler, a, right. a thermoelectric cooler, basically what they do is they put one of those inside the machine. They make steam with that, which is pretty easy because you can heat that to 400 degrees right. and it'll flash steam, get really nice dry steam. Um, but those are all still in the 750 to $1,000 right. range. Uh, the other thing I've um, been testing recently is Core i7-3820. 
So this is uh, Ivy Bridge? No, this is still Sandy Bridge Extreme. Extreme. Oh, okay. Four cores, but it's its own die. I mean, it's, four, it's a four-core die as opposed to that six-core thing, which is really an eight-core die that they turned off two cores. Right. right. Ten megs of L2 cache. Okay. And uh, it's it's the ideal thing for gamers who really want it. Well, they took the, the, the bit. Think of it as a Sandy Bridge processor with a lot more PCI Express lanes. Ooh, and, like it's on, uh, and it's on and we're on 2011, right? And it's on 2011. Yeah. So you need the 20, uh, LGA 2011 motherboard. Oh, okay. But it means that if you're one of those guys who really wants SLI or Crossfire full on, then you can do that with this. Cause, cause and it's under 300 bucks, or cur- will be under 300 bucks when ships. Yeah. Did the 1066? They didn't have full PCI Express lanes either, did they? They didn't have 16. The 1366. The 1366. Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. They had two sets. I mean, the motherboards you see with, that support more than two, then they, they start turning off. Oh, yeah. they start. So 2011 is like the 1366 replacement. Right, right. Yeah, okay. So. Interesting. And but this is nice because is... it's, a, it's a finally uh, relatively affordable. It's about as expensive as the high-end Sandy Bridge, extreme, uh, Sandy Bridge processor. So one of the things we've been getting a lot of questions about is, and I'm just going to skip ahead, but we, we've been telling people, especially if you're looking at buying a thin and light laptop, like mm-hmm. the Ultrabooks, Definitely wait for Ivy Bridge yes. on that stuff because mm-hmm. the because they use integrated graphics uh, and the right. integrated graphics on Ivy Bridge are going to be significantly better than Sandy Bridge integrated graphics. Right. If you are looking at buying building a desktop PC now, why would you should you wait for Ivy Bridge or should you? If you don't care about the integrated graphics, you got to partition that. If you don't care about the integrated graphics, right. no. There's actually the, there are incremental differences in the CPU, really incremental differences in the actual CPU. The big difference is the GPU. But so then the only other difference is that the the socket's going to be different, right? No, the Ivy Bridge is 1155. Oh, okay. It doesn't necessarily mean you won't need a new motherboard, but it'll be 1155. Okay, interesting. Is the Ivy Bridge stuff expected? I mean, obviously this is summer. On the Apple side specifically, though, obviously it's all conjecture. The but, early summer for Windows systems and probably the fall for Apple. Think it'll, well, mobile think always comes out a little bit later. Okay. No, I think mobile will be first. The first? Yeah, I think the MacBook Air for refresh will be Ivy Bridge. And that, yeah. that, I, my hunch is that that's the first place we'll see that. Right in the summer. And they a, probably as, won't call uh, it Ivy Bridge. As nice as their, you know, their smaller laptops are, like the, the graphics have traditionally been the, the weakest aspect. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if that stuff got a lot better, that would be... Well, it's pretty exciting. I still don't think you'll be playing Saints Row or Skyrim. Well, no, 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 no. no. I, wow, you have, you have to have better. reasonable expectations. Yeah. But if it ran StarCraft better, right? If you could play StarCraft, <laughs> that would be great. Wow, what matters? That would be great. Yeah. And finally, the last thing I brought in is something that's a little controversial. It's a board game. <gasps> I like board games. Oh. It's called Risk Legacy. Oh, you've talked about this before. I'm not opening this box. I have this oh. box. This is going to be our game group that's going to play this. Uh, because every time you play the game, the board changes. What? Wait. What? And can can we show changes. the box to the you, camera? Let's, let's yeah. put it up on the, on the table show and for tell. people who are watching. It's a smaller box than I thought. Yeah, Risk I Legacy. Now, so what happens, there's several things that change in the game. First of all, the game physically changes and then as every time you play the game, like you'll put a sticker down on the board that may change what a particular country or area does. So this is kind of controversial. So Mexico won't always be the linchpin of the Western Hemisphere? Yeah, something like that. Uh, or the, actually, and the other crazy. thing that happens is that you have factions in the game, just like you had factions in the old Risk, but... Factions can gain powers, and you have to actually choose between the powers they gain. There's basically little foil packets with cards you open up, and then you choose a, f- a power for that faction, and you tear up the other card. Actually, says in the rules, tear up this card that you're not using. So whoever Hasbro owns Risk now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means they've discovered a way to make uh, Risk not just the uh, board game, but also razor blades. Well, no, you don't buy accessories for it. It all comes in the box. So, so this is, but this is a well, limited you, it's, use. It's play one. So play. You, you, you play. It, it, the way it works is that by the time you're finished, 
going through the whole cycle of modding the board and modding your faction, you've probably played it 15 times. Okay. Now, I don't know how many times you play a typical board game, but 15 times is a lot of plays. Yeah, how many times do you play? Well, well secondly, aside from Dominion. Yeah, Dominion and like the, right, right. the, the deck building like games, I play a lot more. But a box how many board, times? We probably played Last Night on Earth 10 times yeah, on the so, outside. So the other thing that happens is that once you're done modding, you know, you've gone through the whole cycle, it's still a playable game. It's just different from the next guy's Rick's I guess Rick's that's true. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I heard there are like envelopes here that you're not supposed to open with cards inside and, and until a certain time. Until a certain yeah. time. So certain so plays. Crazy. Mystery. And they have even conditions like if you're like let's say you suck or relatively suck, you're always like in the middle of the road at the end yeah. of the game. You yeah. place third or you're the third guy that loses or gets kicked out. Um, they have specific conditions that say, okay, we're giving you some more powers and stuff like that. So it kind of keeps oh. things just a little rubber banding for the guys who need it. Interesting. Yeah. That's um, so cool. We, I've got a couple board game things to report. I guess uh, Gina and I have been playing a lot of Power Grid Factory Manager, ah, which which is not Power Grid. It is, well, it's the same mechanic as Power Grid, uh, but instead of the instead of the so Power Grid basically Power Grid's interesting because there's kind of two economies going, right. um, and one of the economies is de- determined randomly based on the shuffle of the the, the power stations. Um, I guess there's no. I guess there's no uh, resource equivalent in does factory. factory have the, does the factory have that weird catch-up mechanic that Pargrid does? Um, in that, if would, you're ahead, you go last. You know? Yeah, it does. It does do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it makes it more of a strategic choice whether you want to go first or whether you want to have the advantages later on. Yeah, but it creates this big meta game where everybody's just saying, "Well, when do I make my move?" You know, it's like uh, I, I yeah. like that uh, actually. That's one of my favorite things about Power Grid. The neat thing about Factory Managers is only five turns. Okay, so you really like you really have to have a strategy, and because the the resources aren't random. Uh, the, the the factory the, the okay. factory equipment isn't random. Right. It makes it a lot more kind of. You know, hey, here's how I'm going to approach this. Right. By the way, the, the Risk Legacy is like that. They've limited the number, uh, how long you can oh, play. Oh, thank it. goodness. So it's like a 69 any game. You don't get in one of those infinite Risk games. I don't know if you ever played one yeah, of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, the Seinfeld well, joke exactly. holds. Yeah. Still, I played Risk for three days before. Right. Yeah, Risk, you start at 10 no, p.m., you end at 4 a.m. Once, once you, once you get through lucky. the rules and stuff, it's like a 90 minute game. So. Okay. That's good. That's, I, I'm uh, is that just like that a standard goes. price game? You can get in Target. Yeah, it's like a $50 game. Okay. I, I also okay. In terms of board games, I don't think I've mentioned this. Played Game of Thrones. The uh, second edition. Second edition. Right? Second edition. Yeah. So Matt Braga, when he came over before CES, he stayed at my house for uh, a couple of days and he gifted. He sent over Amazon the new Game of Thrones kit. And Wesley had actually played this before. It was very hard for me to not um, open that when it was under my desk. By the way, and, and we played it. We only played it once. Uh, we tried to do another game, uh, but we couldn't get the timing set. I know Will's really wanted to play. And I want to get Gary in this. It is incredibly fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was a good game. This yeah, one is, so this I think one, this one fixes some balance does, issues. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I've described it as risk, but more strategy, less no die rolling, no die rolling. Oh, nice. So it's, okay, it's, it's the same idea that you know you have fa- you have units on a board and with countries and divides, and you have power ups. Right. But the uh, thing that makes it cool is two things. One, you lay out your orders, so you place orders for units face down, and everyone does their orders. And then so there's game theory, and you right. flip out over your orders all at once, and so you're trying to anticipate what other people's orders are going to be and try to counteract that. And you have a very limited number of order options. Um, and what did the orders do? Determine like where, like where your support or attack like okay. and moving units. Um, and then there's also uh, these tracks. Um, so because it's Game of Thrones, there's you know whoever has the, the Iron Throne, you get to be like a tiebreaker in certain or or get bonuses for attack, and so it, it's very fun. Okay, I will have to took about four play. hours to play yeah. the, the first time. Ooh, wow. The other game that I've been, I played recently as an older game, like a year old. When I say older, it's Merchants and Marauders. Have you heard of this? Game? I haven't played that. 
I've it's basically it. Sid Meier's Pirates in a board game. <laughs> with no dancing or sword fighting, but uh, perfect. Yeah, but but can, yeah. you, can you nail the governor's daughter? <laughs> no, no. Okay. It doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have that uh, individual stuff. But basically, you're moving around Caribbean. You can choose to be a merchant or a pirate. Okay. And so, you can move cargo around or you can assault other people. It's like freelancer on at the sea. Right. Um, I, I also have been on a quest to store Dominion cards more efficiently because I I think I now am caught up <laughs> on expansions. You got this tall stack of boxes? Yeah, I got like six expansions at this point. Um, and it's it's probably close to 3,000 cards, I would guess. It's a ridiculous A lot of people that of I know that have it have gone to sort of wooden boxes with these dividers that are kind of like the dividers in Thunderstone. Well, so – Hold on. Oh, those the see. I want labels on the dividers. Yeah. So here are my criteria for the because there's a bunch of I asked about this on Twitter and then a bunch of people linked the board game geek thread on this, which did not suit what my needs are. Um, but I did go to the container store last week. Gina and I went there and we found uh, these baseball card holders that are almost exactly right, except mm-hmm. for that we can't. We're looking for dividers that are the right side. Right. So so uh, each of the baseball card holders will hold. Uh, one of the uh, two of the expansions without like gold and victory points and curse cards and all that stuff, or like one and a half with, um, and it looks like we're able to hold the whole thing in what would basically have been two boxes, mm-hmm. maybe three boxes right. of uh, uh, before, and then I'm gonna I've got to find some sort of dividers that I can put between the individual cards to to stick the so the, the one thing you do on. is you go to your local station they don't have stationery stores anymore oh I guess they have Office Depot yeah you know. Um, uh, so you buy these labels that you can plug into your printer, right? And some of them are actually slightly stiff. They're not printer. Just, yeah, yeah, printer. <laughs> you know the, thing, you know, ink. This is anyway. you put paper in, yeah, words right. come out. That's it's right. Crazy. And, and and the label. These labels typically come up. You can either download the label designer, and you can design labels however you want, and then you just print out the labels that are just the right size, just plug into your box. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. So that so that, I say labels. I mean they can be labels that stick onto things, or they can be like little stiff index card things. Well, I figured what we would do is cut up those dividers that come with the Dominion sets and just stick them onto the the top right. of the you like could you could probably do that index yeah. card that's like the, right. I, basically what I want is like recipe cards that have the little right. the little divots that come anyway. Yeah. So that's progressing. When we get that done, I'll write up a blog post and post it on the on the site because I know a lot of people were asking about that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is iPad, iPhone, Dominion, an unofficial. But semi maybe authorized Dominion port for iOS came out. Right, I saw that. It's um, free. It's free. Uh, it's not the one that that Rio Grande Games, Great Rio Grande Games, is working on. But they did authorize a small number of people to build iOS ports as long as they were free, and they re- they pulled them from the App Store when they released their official one. So right. for like the next two months, it's the art's real janky, but it works. I, I mean, am personally waiting for Summoner Wars. Ooh, I'm interested in that too. That's coming out any day now. But from from iOS. Uh, from uh, well, uh, who's who's the guys? The guys that did the um, Ascension app. Ooh, I'm excited about are that. Doing the Summoner Wars app. Oh man, I got. I'll reach out to those guys and see if we can get yeah. access to that because that's interesting. I also heard uh, Nightfall from the people who make Thunderstone is coming out on iOS real soon. That'll so be good. I'm interested in seeing that as well. Brad, what have you been testing? I played a game without a screen. Really? There was no board. Okay, but there were cards. Gin. <laughs> no poker. Cards Against Humanity. Oh, oh. this on TNT last oh. two weeks ago. Oh. We played again on Friday night. After, was, I, after many beers had been I didn't consumed. see this, so describe the game for me. I, I heard. Uh, of, have heard you played of it. Apples to Apples? I, yes. It is that for explain apples to apples. Terrible, terrible people. <laughs> explain apples to apples. Uh, so uh, apples to apples gives you a giant deck with cards that have phrases or nouns or you know mm-hmm. statements. Yeah, things. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a smaller deck of I don't know what the terms are for these things, but They're adjectives, descriptors. Well, there's there. 
So you're essentially you're trying to complete thoughts, like whatever's on the the, the cards that come out of the smaller deck. Uh, like it'll ask a question or it'll say blank does so and so. So for example, it, yeah, you're 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 trying to take a card from your hand that has come from this bigger deck and complete whatever is on the smaller card. Okay, uh, and, and, and it's you, it's really it's really wide ranging. So you know the, the the phrases could be just about anything. So for example, oh man. Um, do a cards against humanity. Okay, um, one from the, like something to the effect of like, if what, your kids are in the last car, time cover your last ears. time I moved, I really wish I hadn't lost the instruction manual for blank. Okay, and then you have a hand with cards, and you try to stick and those card. cards might be such things as the Holocaust and <laughs> well, actually, uh, I, the Holocaust when I saw was uh, poorly timed jokes about the Holocaust. Okay, that's not, <laughs> that's not good. Um. I think the one that won that particular one was not caring about the third world. Okay. So the, the winning the winning play on that one was I wish I hadn't lost the instruction manual for. For what it's worth, I think that was the best TNT I've ever seen. It was. Remember when I said I don't have any soul yeah. left? That's where it went. Yeah, you you were you were pretty it, dominating. I left it all on the table there. Yeah, it was it was. Um, a, uh, so cards get some really questionable cards in there's it's some awful things like ryan pulled out a couple of the worst oh, ones before that yeah and it was it was if you have a bunch of friends who are assholes and you should play that game you, yeah, you, you really need to consider the company that you're going to introduce that game to yeah some people probably would not take it very well or you could give it to the kids from south park uh, yeah like the game is made for that kind of person right it's uh so they made it under is creative commons what's the license it's a creative commons is that it yeah so you can actually download a PDF of the game, and they have instructions on how to go like make your own. Yeah, they had they like on the site. There's a thing that says, "Here, take this sheet with you when you go to Kinkos, right. and tell them to do this, and you'll get a set of cards that work." That, that's that's pretty nice. Because you make it yourself, you don't sell. You well, don't no, they, they do sell it, but uh, they have those instructions partially because they're backordered for the next like three months, uh, but okay. also because they actually crowdsourced a lot of the game. Yeah, like a lot of the cards were submitted by people, so they're kind of got it. Kind of like opening it up for the people. I am, um, uh, but it, it's it's a lot of fun. But but oh god, just I want to say, did you stuff. didn't you tweet a game that was p- pay and print the other day, Lloyd? Don't recall that. I, no. some, I, somebody, I wish I could remember what it was, but it, lo- it looked really interesting. It was another card game, and it was something you would literally pay them eight dollars, and you download. No, it wasn't PDF me. That definitely wasn't me. Okay, I've seen those things, but no. Yeah, I want this now. It's interesting. Well, I kind of want to. Yeah, it would be bad in your. Are house. you sure that you're hanging you, out with you? Don't sufficiently. Evan's such a nice guy. He's he's he's, he's already you might learn about right something now. about him you didn't want to know. No, <laughs> you, need, you need some pretty twisted senses of humor. Only twenty five bucks on Amazon to get into this game. Is Sold it, out. Stock? Yeah, that's, yeah that's what I, like I said, it's it's not available at the yeah. moment. Um, you also have something else here, Brad. I I brought a device. That looks like a 3DS. Oh, it is the CirclePad Pro for the 3DS. So it's the second analog which, stick. Basically, yeah. It's and a couple of triggers. Okay. Uh, I've just started using it, so I, I can't. Uh, I can only offer kind of snap judgments. Snap judgments. That's what we do here. <laughs> it's really bulky and kind of heavy. Well, it's uh, a big battery and too, kind of right? su- kind of subverts uh, everything that's elegant and, and compact about the 3DS. I think. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a giant battery too, right? No, no, no. It uses, oh, I it was, I uh, so was, actually, I should show you this. Uh, I think that probably the coolest thing about this is something nobody's going to care about, which is the way that it interfaces with the system, which is through that infrared port. Wow, so, so it's actually, infrared? It has an infrared emitter right there, and it actually, you're literally putting the two sensors up against each other. So it does, okay, so it does have a battery so in the it sled, has, but the sled so has, battery is has just to power one, the infrared receiver. It has one AAA that it said uh, will last for 480 hours. 
Wow. So you basically never have to change the battery. That's 120 3DS charges, if my math is right. And in fact, there's not even a power switch on the Circle Pad Pro. Well, there's no reason for it to be that bulky, then. Well, except for for comfort. Except for just to, yeah, so you can wrap your hands around it. It's kind of ergonomic. Yeah, I, get, I mean, you know, it, it. You mean it has curves? Well, it feels yeah. like <laughs> aerodynamic. It feels like a reasonably well-designed console controller. I, I apologize for always bringing my filthy video games into your pristine. I know it's, wholesome, we're all about wholesome tech, tech podcast. Um, Damn it! But yeah, I mean, it, it it conforms to the hand like a console controller should, I guess. But that's not what I'm looking for. Out of the 3DS. Right. I mean, look how much extra volume it adds to that thing if you just want to carry it around. Yeah, right. I, I would like think that think that you would, that's a thing you would kick back on your couch at home with. Right, but at that point, why aren't you just playing a console game on right. a large television? Some of us have lives <laughs> that like to watch TV, Brad. What, what, you're not interested <laughs> in the Razer Fiona? Sorry, I don't even know what that is, but no. You uh, didn't see that? No. Oh, the Razer Fiona is a PC in a like super-sized Vita Oh, whoa, with, it's like the iPad with the controller. Yeah, with the right? yeah. things on the side. No, thank you. And Alienware announced something very similar. Well, Alienware announced a uh, a PC that's in the size of an Xbox, no right. screen, but right. size of an Xbox yeah. with yeah. An, an, an underpowered PC at least. Taking maybe. PC gaming to the living room, one form or another. Yeah, it's not damn the, it, that's not the right form. My guilty con- my guilty confession is that I've been playing um, the Old Republic. Really? Yeah, that's my guilty confession. Wow how is how is it? I'm having a blast. Are you what are you what are you playing? I've got several different characters, so because every time you play different. Class, it's yeah. a different story. Yeah, right. right. You get a, oh, okay. Yeah. So you're just playing through and seeing. Stories. Basically, what it is is you. Who who put this MMO in my single player game is the way to look at it. You can play it entirely single player and just go through the storyline and ignore all the MMO stuff. Okay. Uh, or that you can do great. Both. except for the hours and hours and hours of grinding, <laughs> because all of the quests are go here and kill ten of these things. Well, no, no. The, the storyline quests are not. You don't have to do that. You can avoid those entirely. Um, and they, they scale up with your, your level, so you don't have to worry about it. Now, there are other quests and other what they call flashpoints that are like side stories uh-huh. where you have to be pretty powerful, which means you want to actually kind of grind to get to that point. But you don't have to do those. Those are optional. I, yeah. I'm, I'm staying away. I'm still playing Skyrim. I've got 90 hours in Skyrim at this point. Have you finished the main quest? Fuck no. Of course oh. not. I haven't oh. even finished the Companions quest. I've started – I think I've started everything. I haven't started the Dark Brotherhood, but I've started Companions – uh, mage, and I haven't done all yeah. the side quests that finish after you peek out those things. No, my life will end when Mass Effect 3 comes out. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think I'm going to transition on Mass Effect 3 from Xbox to PC because I played the first two on Xbox. What about your save? What about uh, your Shepard? You know, there's there's a site. There's sites that you can go oh, and download the infinity of You're never going to get the exact same Shepard. Yeah. No, no, but you always redesign your Shepard at the beginning of the game anyway. Right, no. but it's more about the decisions you made. They have every They have every decision every tree. Decision. Yeah, but the major ones, yeah. But there were a lot of little things that came into play in Mass Effect 2. They're pretty, they're pretty minor, but, you know. Right. If I had like 80 hours, I would sit down and just start playing from one on the PC again and one go all the way through. But one is real hard to play now. play through again. Yeah. Yeah. So two is fun. I'm in a weird spot because my save files for the first two games are on a dead USB flash drive. Oh, no, have we talked about that? Yeah. No. We haven't. I don't talk to you about yeah. it before. I have mine like uh, back. I, I played only on the PC, and I have it backed up like in four different places. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've looked into data recovery, and it's looking like oh if God. they can recover it, it's like three or four hundred dollars to get. Right. What, you go to the data recovery place. And what do you have that's valuable on this USB key? Goes, yeah. Shepherd, like, <laughs> my shepherd, like, like a hundred hours of, of space exploration. I mean, I've got there's probably like thirty games worth of saves on there that yeah. I don't have backed up, so it's like a lot of oh. other game progress as well. But that's the one that really matters. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here thinking, 
if they can get it back, is it worth $400 to me to be able to continue and finish my my personal shepherd? Right? I, I had a um, – got to finish the fight, Brad. I don't know. No, I did that. Oh, couple, wait. Couple that was a different ago. thing. That was, that, was, um, that was 2007. I uh, The save that I – I went looking for a save the other day because I thought, oh – Psychonauts came out with Steam Steam achievements and everything. I thought, oh man, I can just load up my Psychonauts save and I'll get because I, I like 101 starred or whatever. I got 101 of the hundred things you could get in Psychonauts. Completely finished, collected all the figments and everything, and then I couldn't find the save. So well, it probably. I mean, no game ever works that way. It doesn't. It, I've never seen a game that retroactively awards achievements. N- well, sometimes you always have to cross that threshold actively to get it to pop. Don't don't take this I, away I, from me, Brad. Well, now I'm trying to make you feel better. Now you don't have to go find that thing. Well, now, now I gotta now go you play Psychonauts play the whole again. Game again. Yeah, oh, man, that's you. a lot of Psychonauts for you. I, I want to see what they did to the meat circus. I want to see how they yeah, fi- how supposedly. they fixed that. Yeah, I've I've never played that game. I'm still. What is wrong I, with I you? I don't know. Get out of here right I should, now. I Leave. Go, I go play that you, we don't want you here. Battlefield Three. It's all uh, matters. I played some Battlefield Three. It wasn't a great map that you played. I I played four or five maps, but but I didn't get to play Carcan. Carcan's only one with playing. Yeah, I played on Carcan only maps. Servers, so servers, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Wonderful. I crashed four Wonderful. helicopters one after the other. People in them every time, which <laughs> I feel like captures the entire battlefield experience. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, I guess that'll do it. Oh, uh, Lloyd, you have one more thing. You have a Garmin on the oh, list yeah. of what you've been testing. I've got a six ten. Oh, the watch, yes. the watch GPS. Yes, yeah. That isn't as big and bulky as they used to be. No, no, it's still kind of bulky, but it, it almost looks as sleek as a Casio. <laughs> yeah, because it also tell the air pressure, so you can get a relative estimate of your altitude. No, but it gets got all the other accessories, you know, like your foot pod and heartbeat meter and all that kind of stuff. If you want to do that, okay. Yeah. Like it? Just got it? Haven't tried? Just it yet? got it? I tried it once. And, you know, it, it, what's interesting is that between this and the earlier Garmin I had, the distances are a little bit different. So the same route. This says it's a shorter distance. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Have you loaded up in Google Maps to, to like map it out and see if it's no. – Okay. I mean I can do that. I've got the GPS information, but I haven't done that yet. Interesting. Okay. So that will do it for what we've been testing. Uh, let's uh, play some music and answer a couple questions and uh, call it a day. If you have a question for This Is Only a Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Keep the questions short, under a minute, 45 seconds is preferred. And please, please listen to them and make sure that they sound like the podcast before you send them in. Because if they have all sorts of horrible clicking sounds or it sounds like you were like dragging behind a train as you recorded this and gravel and stuff was hitting the mic, I'm not going to run it. I can't do that. People yell at me and they're really mean. So here's the first question. Hey there, Tested Crew. This is Justin from New Haven, Indiana. Uh, first, a bit of hometown trivia. New Haven is one of the towns that the Wabash and Erie Canal used to run through. In fact, about 10 years ago, they dug up pieces of the old lock system that was used in the canal, and pieces of that are now on display in the Smithsonian. But now for my question. Uh, my question has to do with note-taking software. I've been looking for something that I can easily put files like PowerPoints and Word documents onto and then annotate them, basically take notes during lecture. Uh, I tried using Evernote for this, but I found I could only really get them in there if I transferred them to PDFs first, which became a real hassle. Uh, so I was just wondering if you guys had ever found anything like this. I, I really like something that was like Evernote that kind of synced with the cloud because that makes it really easy to get on basically any computer. Um, but thanks for any advice, and always be testing. So OneNote does exactly that. You can dump a document into OneNote files and then annotate on top of them. I don't know how well it breaks out individual slides in a PowerPoint, um, but I think that it even syncs with Live now, so you can save those files in, okay. in a cloud situation. I'm use OneNote and view forever. it on. I think even iPad now, but I'm not sure about that. I think everything, but definitely on on PC and Mac you or know, PC. I, I don't use Office. 
anymore. Yeah, it's funny, I, right? I, I'm considering on the next version of Windows, I, I, next time I reinstall re, uh, Windows or build a new PC, not installing Office. I think the only thing is Excel. Excel is the only thing part of Office I use. To generate graphs. Well, Charts. I think I think spreadsheets on Excel are still better than uh, Excel or Google. Well, yeah, Office. but I mean, for the way I basically I use spreadsheets to calculate percent differences. Yeah, most if you of the want time. to do math, then Excel is fine. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't use Outlook anymore. It's 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 uh, it's interesting you said that because I mean one of the things that that people there was an interesting article a few weeks ago about people saying that the the price difference between uh, Macs and PCs is basically the same as the difference between a Mac without uh, a Mac with the default apps and a PC with home and student office installed, you know, the 150 bucks you pay for that, um, which I thought was fairly, fairly apt. Anyway, um, one note is the answer to your question. Have you ever been to the canal museum in DC? No, uh, it's really interesting, but I, there are weird museums in Germany. There are weird I mean, museums like, everywhere. No, but I mean, it's like the heavily advertised weird museum. Like when we're in for Dresden, example? When we were in Dresden, the museum that was supposed to be the hot place to go that we didn't go to was the hygiene museum. What? And then in Nuremberg, the place that was, you know, like, you should go see this is the dialysis museum. You know, there's a lot of things (laughs) I would do with my day, but going to watch dialysis technology being developed is not one of them. I nod. I shake my head in disgust. (laughs) Um, Wow. I like going to county museums. Like when you're in some rural co- rural county in like Wyoming or something, driving through. If if there's a if there is a something something county museum, which is basically which basically means that when somebody dies and doesn't have heirs, or the people who are the heirs don't want to like bother selling the stuff that they left behind, they turn into museum. They donate it to the county museum, yeah. and you end up with these fascinating things. Like in Bishop uh, Bishop California, which is in. I guess Eastern Sierras in the valley between the Eastern Sierras and the and the desert has this amazing museum. It's like 30 acres and they have all sorts of like railroad laying stuff. They have mining equipment. They have all sorts of 1800s medical medical slash barbary uh, gear. It's it's an awesome, awesome, weird rural museum. And I think anytime you see one of those things, you should stop and see if it's any good because they're very cool. I highly recommend them. They have trains. They have a train there. Why do they train have museums train are awesome. Oh, this uh, went, the train museum in Germany. We went to one in Nuremberg. Ooh, and it was also a train and communication museum. And the communication museum was pretty hilarious because they had a big dedicated exhibit for about Claude Shannon. You know who Claude Shannon is? No. Um, Sounds names He developed a lot of the algorithms basically for um, – he was a big communications guru back in the 40s, before computers. And a lot of the stuff like um, th- that we use today is was basically invented by him. Like uh, like the the thing that turns audio signals into waves and stuff, stuff like, like that? that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, go to weird museums. You always find something interesting and, and weird there. Uh, the Railroad Museum. There's one in Sacramento, but the best one I've ever been to is in St. Louis. It's a fantastic railroad museum. You can get in all the trains and they let you like look inside the steam boilers and all the stuff you normally don't get to do, which I think is – like that's what I like about going to the Hornet is you can go into all the places of the aircraft carrier that they normally don't let you get right. anywhere near. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another question. Hey, guys. My name is Mike. I'm originally from far North Dakota, which back in the mid-90s was ranked last in a survey of the most photogenic towns in the United States. <laughs> oh, no. And I thought it was a pretty accurate description <laughs> on their part because Fargo is not a pleasant town to look at unless you enjoy. Oh, the town, not the people. With not many trees. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm going to build a server in the near future for backing up files and my DVD collection and whatnot. And I was hoping for some 
easy solution for being able to wirelessly stream the video collection from the server to the TV. And I'm not entirely certain of what would be the best route to go. I currently have a PS3 and a 360 connected to the TV, and I'm going to buy a Roku in the near future. And I'm thinking the Roku might be the way to go, but I'm wondering if you have any better ideas, or if there's... And if I do use the Roku, how best to go about doing that? Uh, thanks, and always be testing. So this is a, we get this question a lot. PS3 um, media streamer. PS3 media server is the server, is yeah. the is the hard. Don't have to buy anything new way to do this. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's a DLNA server, which means that it will uh, take files that are in the appropriate format for to, to play on the PS3. Which basically means no, it will convert. Well, it will convert too, but you need a kind of bigger, bigger server to do that. It'll, it'll transcode on the. It'll floor. transcode. It'll transcode poorly a lot of times. I think. Really? I, I'm not. Work fine with my Windows server. There's a. Um, are you talking about in terms of quality? Quality. Yeah. There's a. There's a law, lossless setting for it. Oh, okay. Uh, lossless transcode. Okay. Basically, looks just like the source file. I haven't used it in a while. You probably, you probably need a reasonably beefy machine to so, do it, but. Tool core. So what I was going to say is, if you're going to buy a Roku instead, spend the extra hundred bucks and get a boxy. Uh, depending on what what else you want to use the Roku for, uh, the Boxy will just play everything. Like there's no transcoding required for the Boxy. You don't have to run a weird server. You just point it at an SMB share, so just a normal network share, and it will parse everything there, add artwork and all that kind of stuff. It'll even handle weird, obscure stuff like MKV. And, it, yeah. Uh, Weird, obscure. Okay. Yeah, Brad. I'm surprised that uh, the Roku doesn't do that stuff. Is there? Is that there, just a horsepower thing? There's or? a. Yeah, it's partly a horsepower thing. The the Boxy is a is an Atom CPU. Okay. The Roku is ARM based, or maybe even MIPS based. But I think it's ARM based. Um, and the the Roku, there's a Plex implementation for the Roku, but I don't think it's very good. It's all super beta, and you have to get a special code to install it and all that kind of stuff. So that's my that's how I, I like I use the boxy for streaming stuff that I ripped into the living room. I don't know how you can recommend the boxy in good conscience considering the way that thing looks. I think it's fun. <laughs> it is too ugly. Oh god. It doesn't stack. Ugly as so yeah. I just put it it's it, I hide it since it's a, an RF remote. It just sits behind my TV around a corner so you don't you don't see it. All right. The only time I have to go get it is when I need to power cycle it cuz it is guess, not the most guess, stable. Oh really? It's a little janky. I guess I'll accept that, but man. Uh, and the Netflix client on it is actively bad, so don't like, don't <laughs> buy it for Netflix. Uh, the whiskey channels are good on it; you can stream live stuff, which is nice. Um, but yeah, don't don't like don't buy it to stream videos from your living room to your from your server to your living room, not for anything else. I heard recently that it was designed the the unit was designed by the same people, the same firm who did the first Xbox 360. Yes, yeah. yeah so that kind of explains everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 Xbox One controller fuggo, like the big Xbox controller, not the S. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the way it looks, but I, it, like until dedicated Plex boxes come out, I think it's the best alternative for for that kind of streaming because the DNA, DLNA server stuff is always a pain in the ass. Like I, I I've used a bunch of those servers over the years to play on. The PS PS3 media server, uh, they're the, very inconsistent. They're, yeah, they're 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 not good. Uh, they're they're hard. It's it's one of those things that like, even when it's working well, at some point that server thread is going to hang, and you're going to have to go go into the home server and either reboot the home server or remote desktop into it or whatever, and and restart that. And that's not like that's the kind of thing that I would get text at when I was at a trade show or something from Gina at two o'clock in the afternoon. And she'd be like, "Hey, uh, the home server is broken. What do I need to do to make this work again?" And since switching to the boxy, that never happens anymore. So. 
vote one for the boxy. Uh, and that'll do it for questions this week. Uh, as always, podcastattested.com. Listen to them. Make sure they sound good. And uh, we will answer more questions next week. And I guess that'll do it for the show. Uh, for Norman Chan, thanks to Lloyd and Brad for stopping by. It's always good to have you guys. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday with more. This is only a test. Stay tuned for some fake outtakes. I'm going to play this one. Hi there. I didn't see you. Test it. board games and we love technology and this is board games meeting technology oh my goodness hello who's that created by uh that one was created by it says closing underscore will okay i I need to rename these files i said that last week and then i forgot until this just as you said what are you guys and you're gonna forget again until next yeah so uh if you missed last week and you didn't hear us talking about it the source file for the outro theme is on the forums uh, it's stickied, I think, in the This Is Only a Test folder. If you would like to make your own outro, you can download that file, grab a clip from one of our stupid videos, <laughs> and put it in there and and take any of the horrible things that we say, and uh, and and we may or may not play it. And I almost certainly will forget to remember who created the actual outro on any given week. But it's there, and it's a thing that you can do now. So, Crowdsourcing. Engaging the community. Okay. Is how I think. <laughs> sure. Crowdsourcing seems so dirty. So dirty. Um, so, yeah, what's what's uh, what's uh, on the agenda for the out, uh, outtakes of fakeness this week? I don't have anything. I, I usually come in with some sort of science thing that then Gary shoots down. I don't know. But, um, I like science. Now's your chance. He's not here. Yeah, but I, I did, <laughs> Gary can't tell you what There's to no do. good science, science stuff this week. Okay. Oh, there was that bit about um, – Neutrons being able to cross the multiverse, universes in the multiverse. Is really? Yes. What? Yeah. So you know, there's this whole string theory postulates that you can have multiple universes, right? Mm-hmm. And parallel universes and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But there's no way to test that. There's no way to say, okay, where is the other universes? Um, until this guy, oh, this is on the X, X archive site and uh, the MIT site, uh-huh. and apparently there's a way to allow neutrons to cross between universes or neutrinos. And, no, neutrons. neutrons. Okay. Not neutrinos. Neutrons. And f- from reading this, what I could gather is that it's also possible with today's technology, you don't have to wait for some future, you know, high-powered Tevatron thing come out. Uh, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see somebody actually tries to figure out, has a neutron cross between universes? And what does that actually mean when a neutron crosses? Could you encode, like, could they be data? Could they be well, data? Well, that's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. Could we be getting messages from other universes right now? We're just ignoring them because we just think they're stupid neutrons flying through uh, caves in the... in the. Right. That could be. Hmm, interesting. Does that, does that imply some consistency in the physical properties of different universes? Not necessarily. No. Right, because the interesting thing about the different universe, the, the multiverse series, is that they could have completely different like, underlying, like, like right, the fundamental physics, constants yeah. of each of each universe could be different. Avogadro's number could be yeah. different yeah. in a different universe. Pi could the be Planck different. Constant right. could be a different different number. Or it might not exist at all. There might be something totally different. Oh my god! Just, I think the most important story, not science related, is that the Star Trek Blu-ray is coming out next Monday. Next generation yeah. Blu-ray. Oh, I don't know how I feel. Are you about lining that. up again? Why are you lining up? You two, can order on Amazon. Two of the three episodes are, are less than desirable. Dollars. Don't you want to see what it yeah, looks I like? Yeah, see it. 
Like I'm gonna come over to your don't watch. do it any justice. Is it a single disc? It must be. It's a single disc. I'll, I'll, Four I'll, episodes, I'll Netflix it and watch two it. Two of the episodes are the pilot, so two-episode pilot, yeah. plus uh, Sins of the Father, I believe. So yes. what? They're not and doing seasons? The Inner Light? No, this is a this preview is, disc. This there's is a so proof much, of concept. There's so much work involved in putting this thing together. Let's talk they, about the work involved. That stuff is interesting. That is interesting. So we, we've wanted Next Generation on uh, By we, you mean you. Bad, and Brad. Badly. And Gary. Okay. So people that matter, maybe. Well, Any, where, anyone, where do you stand on anyone this? Anyone with taste. Really. Um, not a big fan of Next Generation. <gasps> it's coming. I liked in some individual episodes, but not a big fan of the series as a whole. Oh my goodness. That first season with pre, pre-Beard oh. Riker was real rough. We, yeah. We've wanted Rocky start. Blu-ray for a while. And a challenge of getting Blu-ray. So CBS converted uh, the original series to us to HD years ago. Because it was shot on film. Well, not only was it shot on so, film, it was, so was edited on film as well. Yeah. Composited. That's the key thing. All the, all the effects. And, of course, not much of it was CG. It was all you know, right. fancy visual uh, camera well, they, effects. Well, they redid a bunch of the effects for the original. They did that. They didn't need to, but they did it to upgrade some yeah, of the they, ship yeah. models. And, yeah, and, right. and, and, yeah, and the, it's, it was a little contentious. Some people still like the original. Looks, looks I think it looks fine. Yeah. And they've been broadcasting that in HD. They took out the strings. Well, no, they actually made CG okay. models. But yeah, for, the, all the ships are CG. Are CG. But, but I know. In, in the style, oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, there are, no, ver, there are no CG strings. So it was a relatively easy process in terms of uh, converting that to high definition. Basically, they colorized Star Trek. It's yeah. the same yeah. thing that Ted Turner did. It's all on Netflix. So all in black and white. You can watch it all on Netflix. So did they put a CG job of the... No, no, wrong series. Wrong, yeah. wrong, no, no. <laughs> wrong nerds. For Next Generation, that was also shot on uh, 35mm. Yep. But it was a very expensive show to make. I mean, this was not on network television. Um, it, before UPN, we're talking about, what, what was it? Uh, what it was, was syndicated. It was, it was, it was, syndicated. was just syndication. Yeah, yeah. Where it was just was. syndication. Yeah. And yeah. it was like a million dollars an episode. Wow, so while really? they shot it, yeah, back then. Jeez. And we're talking about late Patrick 80s, Stewart, early don't 90s. Work cheap, man. <laughs> back then he did. He was a nobody. That's true. So Fine. shot on uh, film, but edited on video. Yeah, so composite, whenever, composite, composite. It was and, and Idaho, effects. Man. So whenever you see someone looking at a view screen, that was all edited yeah. in video. Whenever there's any type of special effect, and there were a few special effects in the episodes, all in video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what they've done is they had to basically re-edit all the episodes. Like all, all, most of the source footage, I don't know the exact percentage, they don't have all the source footage. So even in the sampler, a four-episode sampler, there are there's I think one scene where they just had to upconvert. Oh, really? And the reviews oh. so far have said that that scene is noticeable. That's a shame. That it's not per, it's not. Uh, not up to the same standard exactly but it's okay it's it's passable but the vast majority of it now is re-edited and they redid all the special effects they i I think they did a better job redoing the special effects for tng from the screenshots i've seen than the original series changing the ship models and stuff well no are you Um, you sure they actually like read yeah like from the ground up all the like the The aliens like yes Anything that's not like a shot of actors on a set has been and, well, completely like, redone, or just well, the just ship model shots were all shot on film too. Okay, but anything that's like phaser beam effects yeah. and and anything that's special effect, they had to re- redo. Okay, so basically re-editing the entire series, but they have all the master footage. Uh, the screenshots look amazing. The yeah. YouTube well, they trailers, out, they put out video. Yeah, even they, the YouTube trailers, yeah. the comparison videos in low bit rate seven twenty on YouTube look really good. Yeah. I want to see what it looks like. 1080p uh, on Blu-ray off the disc. So and also the audio is remastered, so it's 7.1 audio. Which we're makes talking about I'm excited. Nerd, uh, nerd movies and stuff. That's can I? I, I don't want to put this is not a plug because I haven't actually seen this, but I did buy one just because I was curious. Um, in the UK, there's some people, uh, companies. This is like big budget stuff, not 
well, big budget in the UK BBC sense. So like $30 an episode? <laughs> right, right. Okay. There were a series of Discworld movies made. The Terry Pratchett Discworld. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I picked up Going Postal, which is like one of my favorite books. And I uh, read that one. And so I'm kind of curious as to how that's going to be. I just, just arrived uh, while I was actually gone in Germany, so I need to. I, I, my one experience with buying UK BBC TV shows on DVD or VHS tape was the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV series, mm-hmm. which while really brilliant and clever and funny, had the lowest production values of anything I've seen <laughs> short of a high school stage play. For me, the, the most hilarious ones were the series of, uh, there's a series of novels by Bernard Cornwell called Sharps Something, you know, that's the title, basically about this British officer during the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. And the BBC did a series based on those books. And man, they have, the, you can see like the same six extras in the battle scene that's great <laughs> um i don't i don't think it's bbc affiliated but speaking of british television downton abbey has taken hold. oh no is that I, seized, BBC, isn't it BBC? seized hold of my household isn't bbc affiliated i don't think so. it's season yeah, it's two i don't, right now. I don't it. even it's came out of nowhere pbs is airing it here well, maybe P- which is PBS crazy is airing... because like it's 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 amassing this well, PBS does that following. all the time. Yeah, so like, a lot right, of but it's, it's, yeah, it's a masterpiece classics yeah. thing here. My wife watched but, the entire run, the entire first season while I was at CES. Oh, really? So is I it, dodged is that it good? hard. I, I, she, I don't, you're not dodging it. anything. It's great. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't it's oh. just juicy, dramatic. It's it's a it's, period. It's a period sort of lighthearted right before drama. Before the war. Yeah. Well, it gets into World War One uh, toward the end of the, first the Great War. At the time, yeah. Yeah. Little they know what was to come, but. Uh, the thing I was going to say is that, like, if if nothing else, you can really appreciate the quality of like the production design because it's it's on the level of like a Mad Men in terms of their commitment to yeah. like physically recreating the era and making it look believable and authentic. It's it's really impressive. I, I was playing the Settlers HD on my iPad while Gene was watching an episode the other day, and there was an extended talk about making the Abbey into a hospital for returning soldiers who had shell shock or something. Like and a I, convalescent home. Convalescent home. And I just, at that point, I, <laughs> I was Not like, no, I'm, I'm good. This is awesome. It's, it's, it's a little soapy, but, but I'll it's, watch but Sherlock it's instead fun. if I want to watch it's that fun. kind of stuff. What? Sherlock? Amazing. So, so I've been told. I, the thing, here's my problem. It turns out I don't like watching TV. I okay. think I've realized that I don't – I just okay. can't be bothered. You said you when you watched Breaking Bad, you wanted to watch two episodes at a time. And that yeah, was, and I did that fine. for about a month. That's perfect. Sherlock is only six episodes out right now. They're an hour and a half each. Yeah. 90 minutes. Watch them as movies. Watch one every night for six nights and you're done. What is it about are – you, are you talking about watching the physical device or watching the I'm, format of the television series? The format series? of the television series so what is, is, what, is your boring I think, tedious. I think the story really? – in 40 minutes or even an hour – you it's either not enough time to have a fully fleshed cinematic experience, or they stretch out what would otherwise be a that's boring exactly story. The well, and the other thing that's going on that's a trend going. now is the whole story arc thing, which is serialized. Yeah, yeah like that. Yeah, that's, that's right. Twenty four. That's, that's the impetus behind the serialized drama. Well, right? it, the thing with twenty four and and remember the old Buffy the Vampire series Slayer series is that you knew that it was a one season arc. Right. Each arc was one season. Now we have like multi season arcs, and you just. Thanks, have, Lost. And if you come in in the middle of it, you just have no clue what's going on. Well, no yeah. We've, people backlash that. I mean, there are all those Lost wannabes are now no longer on the air. The event, you know, flash forward. And, yeah. Oh, no. Now we have Alcatraz. And, and, now we, well, and uh, what's the, the, the one uh, The one about the 
creepy guys watching everybody. Um, oh, uh, the new Jack Bauer one? No, 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 no. no. The one with uh, what's his name from that other thing? Right uh, from Personal Interest. Yeah, Personal of Interest. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's more of those ha- happening. I watched the first episode of that. No thanks. I did watch. Uh, we have started watching the Sarah Michelle Gellar thing, which which I've started watching just because I was like, I don't see how they can keep this whole. I understand they're doing an amazing job of keeping all the it balls is, in the air. <laughs> it's really impressive because it is like the idea. Is I watched it, like the first three episodes. I think no, I just can't laugh. There's no way. And and it just keeps going because it gets more and more ridiculous. It's like Melrose Place but dumber somehow. And I mean really – I'm not talking about new Melrose Place, which was really, really dumb. I'm talking about old Melrose Place where they were twins and all sorts of – it was just ri- ridiculous. It was a primetime soap. No, it was a really dumb primetime soap. Yeah, I mean – I'm beginning from the premise that all soaps are really dumb. I guess. And what I'm saying is that, that this is a primetime prime time soap that makes – the original dumb primetime soap look even smarter than it was. I don't and know yet, what I'm saying. And anymore. yet you keep watching. I, I haven't watched an episode <laughs> oh, okay. since, since Christmas time. But yeah, I, I just I, I can't be like I'm watching Parks and Rec where I'm watching 30 Rock uh, because they're funny and entertaining. But we've been coming home and putting on Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or something more often than not really? because because the I hear that you should watch Justified, which I haven't seen. yet. I have heard that you should watch Justified. Gary um, has told me that multiple times and shows that. Uh, are done. Um, well, the uh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, it's a really, really good show. Kind of uh, rough in the middle, but Super Eight has the Friday Night Lights guy in it, right? Well, uh, yeah, Cal. Friday Night Lights and Super Eight have the early edition guy in it. You should say. Okay, <coughs> early edition was the original person of interest. Oh, that guy was in early edition. I was a star of early edition. Really? I didn't know that. Come on, early edition was about the guy who got the newspaper a day early and saved lives. Yeah, I know the show. Right? I just didn't know with the, the cat on top of the newspaper. Whatever, whatever. He will. He will forever be Coach Taylor. Nope. The, cat, the, the cat cat is God. Different. You right? are out of your mind. Isn't the cat God? I think you will find in yourself in a distinct minority on that one. <laughs> um, it was hard to watch Super Eight because I was thinking about Coach Taylor. Yeah. And I never even watched Friday Night Lights, so you know that that's a strong. Is a very memorable. How character. powerful that character is! Hey, I want to talk to you about something that happened. I'm listening to Bombcasts while I have you here, and you're trapped and can't get out of the room. Okay, I'm I'm still listening to the year end Bombcasts. Okay, and I'm on the last one. S- starting to feel a little bit like a caged animal. Yeah, here. you should. You should. This is this is going to go bad. Um, I was really sad when Renegade Ops stayed on the list. And Trenched slash Iron Brigade was cut summarily. Yeah. And I think Trenched Iron Brigade was a much better game than Renegade Ops. Oh, I don't know about that. I think Renegade Ops might have been uh, – you know, you might personally have had more fun. But I think Trenched is a deeper – It's it's hard for me to say without knowing what what specific arguments were made for – Well, there were no we, arguments made for Trenched. It was just like, oh, true. yeah, Trenched That's not cut. true. Fuck that I think I brought a, I think I brought you up specifically. You did. Discussion. I was mentioned, I suppose. We, we, had, some, we had some really good four-player games yeah. of that. I never had any real good four-player uh, it's, games with Renegade Ops. It's a, it's a shame they didn't – and this is probably well outside of Double Fine's control, but it's a shame that that DLC didn't come out last year. Well, that's uh, – yeah. Um, I, well, like the, the, the window is closing on that game. The trenched uh, Iron Brigade thing kind of that that didn't help it. that didn't help but yeah. then they've got this really nice looking DLC add on and honestly that was the thing in fact that, this may have been our argument against it was that you run up at the, against the end of that game and you've got like a great mech and all that, this and all this loot and you're like ready to go and then all of a sudden there's nothing else to do there's the last more. two levels were real easy if you leveled uh, up pretty good they were not that hard and then you just you know if they'd even gotten that survival mode out sooner. Yeah, if that would have given you survival mode. It would have been a different something game. else to do at the end of that game. And okay. then if that DLC had come out, it might have been a different, a different, different story for S- that game. Serious answers for dumb questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that'll do it for us. Anybody else have anything dumb they want to talk about? Uh, 
I went and had a, uh, uh, a lamb sandwich yesterday that was pretty good. It had sliced lamb and uh, pickled celery on it. I, I have, had, where I was, have an where oven again. Oh, oh! I want to talk about about cooking with magnets. Oh, yes! I have an induction cooktop. Wait, tell me where that sandwich is before you forget. Uh, Prather Ranch. I'll go over there with you sometime next week if you want, or right. tomorrow uh, in in Mark, in the Ferry Building. Oh, okay. Um, you did a new kitchen. We saw pictures right. of it. It looks really cool. But yeah. I want to hear about the induction cooktop. It's I don't pretty, believe in them. It's pretty awesome. I mean, like, let me give you an example, right? So, I was just doing some fairly mundane stuff. I was cooking this packaged rice thing, right? Okay. Boil the water, then reduce it to a simmer. Yeah. Put the lid on. Okay. Very average thing. Water boils, put the stuff in, hit three, and it's instantly at a simmer. No weight whatsoever. So the 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 induction works because there's a magnet. I don't understand how induction it works. It creates a magnetic field which excites the metal in a fer- in ferrous metal, right? So it has your 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 bottom and your pot have to be magnetic. They have to have an iron or steel disc in it. Right. Them. Right. No, or they have to be iron or steel. Okay. Right. So I have stainless steel, for example. I have uh, a cast iron. So your aluminum right. stuff that you're probably not supposed to cook with anyway doesn't work. Right. Okay. So um, anyway, and, and, and it heats up the metal in the pan. And so any changes in the magnetic field, you know, changes what's he- how the pan heats up immediately. It's pretty phenomenal. Okay. Also, it does it really fast. Like I can put a quart of water in, hit, hit the highest setting, and I got boiling water in a minute. So, okay. I'm with you so far. Right. My, my cooktop uses fire. Right. And you're going to ask me how I do things like flip <laughs> omelets. Yeah. And there's no problem with that because what happens is the, the old original induction cooktops, if you lifted the pan off, it turned off. Yeah, that for safety. Now they're on for two minutes. Oh, right. so you, but, the, but the cooktop itself isn't hot except for what transfers from the right. pan but to But the- if you're doing just flipping the omelet thing, that's no big deal. The one weakness – because the pan's still hot for the five seconds you flip the omelet. Yeah, of course. The problem with induction cooktops are for people that want to use something like a wok, Right. With a wok, you need something like an 18 – for real wok cooking where you use the hammered metal pans. Right. A, a the 18,000 BTU, yeah. you know, gas stuff. You can't do that. I mean you can do stir fry, but you can't do the, you know, the 18,000 BTU thing. Well, the test kitchen people say you should do stir fry in a uh, – unless you have an industrial cooktop, you should do stir fry in a skillet anyway rather than a wok. Right. Because I, they and, say that they don't get hot enough. Right, right. Except for a couple of Blue Star ranges. Yeah. You can't get that kind of heat. That's right. Or like a big Viking. But no, I, we're loving it. I mean it's, it's, commercial. It, it's, it's incredibly controllable. Um, okay. Instantly controllable. Um, we needed to get new pans anyway, so that was no big deal because the old ones are dying. Just co- um, copper wouldn't work then, though, would it? What they do, you, yeah. What you do is you have a, you can, like for example, all clad, which makes really expensive stuff. But this yeah. is just the example I have in my head: it's a stainless steel frying pan, ferrous metal bottom, copper sandwich in between. So you get the heating of copper. Oh, okay. You don't see the copper. You don't see the cool. You know. So uh, then the the ferrous color, sandwich but, heats up the copper, and right. the copper holds the heat. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Same um, with aluminum. They have aluminum sandwiches. They do the same thing. So if you need a really fast spread of aluminum heat, yeah. you have an aluminum sandwich in the middle. Did you do any other high-tech stuff with your new kitchen lid? Uh, one of, the lighting is kind of cool. It's all LED lighting. And one of the things we did was it's not really high-tech, but it's high-tech in the sense of you think of your computer stuff. You might think. So people looked at pictures and said, you have no power outlets. We have our angled power strips that are underneath the cabinets going all through the kitchen. So we have more power outlets than the average kitchen and no contention with, you know, toodles slots. Oh, nice. So they're hidden yeah. up under the yeah. lip. And of somebody the said, cabinet. well, the cords are hanging down. It's ugly. I said, dude, you know, at some point you just say convenience over, you know, appearance. Well, and you can also, I'm sure you could 
do tracks. Like it would be easy to do hooks or if something If you really like want to do that. But you know, one of the things about modern appliances too, if you've ever bought a new appliance, they come with power cords about this long. Yeah. You know? And it's actually a, a regulation, I think, safety thing. So having the power all around. Hold on. Why is that? Is that a safety thing so that if they fall off the countertop, then they don't, I don't know what the, I don't know the rationale for the rule. Okay. But they all come with these short power cords. So, but it's really easy because you have they're spaced about six inches apart, and I have you know effectively I have an infinite number of them. That's fantastic. Yeah. What's the what's the term for um, cordless items that are powered by like contact with a pad? Is that capacitor? That's oh, the inductive. That's inductive. Like yeah. when is, when is that going to be in everything? Uh, what is what is what is never? It's great for charging batteries, but you're not going to you're not going like, to run your food processor just, or blender. There's not a, not enough. Yeah, can't no. supply enough power. Not, not, not yeah, anything to you know you can if you're trying to drive something that's 1500 watts, you're going to be irradiating yourself at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Okay. It's fine. Tesla's dream will never <laughs> become reality. I don't know. Maybe one day. Wireless power. Um, okay. Well, I guess that'll do it for All us. Right. See you guys next week.